WCYT Sports. Laughlin the rebound, the clock hits zero. The Spartans are state champions. They avenge the loss from two years ago, and they'll take home a state championship. Hands it off to Grant Raver going on the 15, down on the 5. Gets into the end zone for Homestead. 15-yard run for Grant Raver. Gets Homestead on the board. Trying to get inside. Nothing there. Step back. Open three. It's gone. Todd Curry knocks it down. Smart win. Smart win. On your dial at 91.1 FM and online at WCYT.org, it's time for the action of Homestead Spartan Athletics. It was labeled as the game of the week, and it certainly lived up to its billing. But after Friday night's tough loss, the Spartans know they must win out to have any chance of winning the bell for a third straight year. And the conference slate doesn't get any easier tonight. Next up for Homestead is a date with another undefeated team and a number two team in Class 5A, the Bishop Wanger Saints. The last two years, this game has produced some instant classics with the Spartans winning by three points total, including last year's triple overtime win that ended up deciding the eventual SAC champion. In a must-win scenario for the rest of the season, can Homestead get back on the winning column tonight? We'll find out in about three hours. It's 2-1 Homestead, an undefeated Bishop Wanger, in Week 4's SAC Game of the Week. And now for the start of the OPS pregame show. Here's play-by-play broadcaster Braden Carroll. Live from Shields Field on the campus of Bishop Dwanger High School, this is Week 4 Saction as the number two team in 5A Bishop Dwanger hosts the Homestead Spartans. The Spartans are coached by Chad Zolman in his 18th season with Homestead, while the Saints are coached by Jason Garrett in his fourth season with Dwanger. Good evening, I'm Brayden Carroll, joined by Anthony Gary, as we're just about 45 minutes from kickoff of tonight's game. How are you doing, Anthony? I'm feeling fine. You can feel the tension in the air as both these teams are warming up on the field. These last few matches between Homestead and Bishop Dwanger have been thrillers, so I'm excited to watch some football tonight. And before we get to the game about Bishop Dwanger, let's talk about Bishop Lures last week, where we saw Homestead in action. It was the game of the week in the Summit Athletic Conference last Friday, back and forth, fantastic offensive battle. You had Carson Clark versus Peyton Slavin, and Homestead couldn't pull it at the end. A big interception by Evan Linker really turned things around, and the Knights on that final offensive drive had enough in the tank at the end to knock off Homestead 45-42. to And that might be the game of the year. It was an offensive shootout in the first half, 35-21, to going into halftime, and then coming out of it, there was a lot more defense on Homestead's side. They were able to make the comeback, get up for, and as you said, Evan Linker making the clutch interception on third down, marching, leading Bishop Lewis to march all the way back and get a touchdown with 13 seconds to go. Homestead couldn't answer after that. What a game, and what a comeback in the last two minutes for Bishop Lewis and Carson Clark. And there were so many points in that game where you felt like, oh, that team for sure is going to win, and then, oh, they're going to win. At halftime, Lures had a 14-point lead, and then at the end of the game, Homestead had that three-point lead in the red zone before Evan Linker made the interception. And going into halftime, it looked almost certain that Bishop Lures was going to win the game and that Homestead wasn't going to come back. Because going into halftime, Homestead was yet to make a defensive stop and Lures up two possessions. Looked like they could just run away with the game, but Homestead's defense, they got a lot more discipline. And like you said, in the final minutes, Homestead looked unstoppable on offense, and it looked unstoppable. they looked unstoppable on defense. It was almost sure that they were going to extend to 3-0, but Carson Clark 
pulled out the clutch miracle comeback. Fantastic game from that Lures offense. Not only Carson Clark, but you also had Sir Hale, Antoine Lake, ton of contributors to that Lures offense to get the job done. 45 points on Homestead, who before then only allowed 14 points per game on the defensive end. Lures got themselves a huge win, and they proved to everybody in the conference how real Lures is this season as a threat to the title. And Lures, they looked really strong towards the end of last season as Carson Clark in his last nine games had 28 touchdowns and only one interception. So there's definitely some thought going into the season that Lures was going to be this great team, but I don't think anyone could predict how good they actually are being 3-0, and sitting atop the conference along with Bishop Dwanger, who we get to see here tonight. And that'll take us into the first break of the evening. Next up, Anthony, Noah Johannesmeyer, and myself take a look around the SAC. This is WCYT Spartan Football. Marco's Pizza, located at 10345 Illinois Road, inside the shops of Scott Road. Marco specializes in pizza, subs, and more. Order online at marcos.com or by phone at 625-6800. Thank you, Marcos, for supporting the Point 91 FM and being a proud sponsor of Homestead Media's athletics coverage. And now, let's head back out to the stadium for more Homestead Spartan football, right here on the Point 91 FM. Welcome to this week's Look Around the SAC. I'm Brayden Carroll, joined alongside Anthony Gary and Noah Johanningsmeyer. And it was an exciting week in the conference last Friday. And let's take a look at some of those results from last week. First off, what was the biggest game in the SAC? Lures defeating Homestead 45-42 in a shootout that no one will forget. Biggest game in the SAC of the year. That game was down to the wire. 35-21 at halftime. Homestead made a comeback, took the lead, and then Lures with that final march to score. It was beautiful. Lures... With Carson Clark, they look like the best team in 2A. They could even be the best team in 4A. Yeah, Lures definitely is the best team in 2A right now and the best team in the SAC. With Carson Clark, they lo- Carson Clark looked like a D1 quarterback when he played against Homestead, and they just played great all around on offense. Their defense struggled, but they were still able to get the win. Yeah, Carson Clark, really the defining player in that game. He looked unfazed in many situations throughout, even the fourth quarter when he had to go on fourth downs during that last drive that they had. You were talking about, Anthony. He was unfazed and, like you said, Noah, looked like a D1 QB. And now let's go Dwanger, who defeated Southside 50-14, to an absolute blowout. This game's not surprising at all. Dwanger is undefeated 3-0 in the SAC, obviously one of the better teams. And Southside is a team that couldn't even play more than 30 players because of COVID issues. No, no surprises on this outcome. Yeah, not not surprised whatsoever. Dwanger continues their 21-game winning streak over Southside. Dwanger, no one's really surprised that Southside couldn't get the win here. Dwanger, one of the top teams in the SAC, and Southside on the exact opposite trajectory. Then another blowout was Snyder over Concordia. Concordia lost their QB Eli Maddox in that game to injury, and Snyder really controlled it the rest of the way and before that, really. And Snyder shut down Concordia on defense. As again, at the beginning of the season, I always like to refer back to this. Who said that Concordia? 
that Snyder has the best defense in the SAC. We didn't see it the first two weeks, but that game against Concordia looks pretty promising. Yeah, Snyder played a great game. They started off a little slow, but they were able to get it going, getting that blowout W. And the final blowout to talk about was Carroll shutting down Northside. A lot of people's eyes in a huge surprise, 40 to nothing. Um, when you say a surprise, that might be a little bit of a stretch. Zero points on the board for Northside, that might be a surprise. But Carroll blowing them out with Jeff Becker back, that is not as much of a surprise. Yeah, it's really not that surprising that Carroll was able to blow out Northside, but the defense being able to hold Northside to zero points when holding Snyder only to 28 last week, they're showing me something. Then finally, in the battle of winless teams, it was Northrop who got that W finally in the win column, 13-12 to in an absolute barn burner over the Wayne Generals. This was a rough game to follow. There were a lot of turnovers. It was just sloppy football, but nevertheless, Northrop was able to get their first win of the season. And Northrop really not looking that great right now. We know Wayne and Southside are two of the teams that have been at the bottom of the SAC for a while. They lost to Southside two weeks ago and then barely got past Wayne. Northrop has been struggling this year, but they it was nice for them to get that win. And a lot of people were expecting them to get a win eventually. It was kind of surprising to see them go into this game without a victory, but hey, they got one over Wayne. And it was really a wild week in the conference. Questions all over the place of where this team and that team should be and the power rankings. So guys, what is your top three in the SAC right now? I know for most people, Homestead, Dwanger, and Lures have to be the teams on that list. But the question is, where should they be? I think that those three are not as defined. They are my top three, but Carroll's definitely a team that could you could sneak in there. Barely losing to Lures, and then with Jeff Becker, they looked phenomenal winning 40-0 to against Northside. I'd say they're my number four, but my top three go Lures, Homestead, Dwanger. My top three is Dwanger number one, Lures number two, and Homestead Spartans at three. They're the one team with the loss. I gotta move them down the rankings. I have Dwanger at number one just because they... Even though their competition hasn't been so great so far, they've been blowing teams out constantly. I completely agree with you, Noah. I have Dwanger at one, Lures at two, Homestead three. Of course, Lures has the head-to-head win over Homestead, and Dwanger statistically is the best team in the SAC. They're first in points scored, and they're also f- first in the least amount of points allowed. My problem with Dwanger is that they are yet to prove themselves against a good team so far. They've had a pretty easy schedule, as they do every year as the schedule rarely ever changes. Starting off 3-0 was no surprise, and I don't think you can credit them with this much success with only playing the bottom teams in the conference. I mean, it's not like they played these games close, though. They were able to dominate just like other teams at the top of the SAC have been, and I still think that Dwanger is number one in the conference. Obviously, Lewis has proven themselves really well. They beat Homestead, and they beat Carroll, but I don't know if that's enough for me to put them above Dwanger yet. And the offensive talent that Dwanger has in Evan Springer at quarterback, Henry O'Keefe and Rocco Sioka at wide receiver, and KJ Tipman at running back. I mean, that offense is really tough to beat, even though those first three games aren't against the best teams. Their best opponent out of those three was really Northside, who hasn't impressed people so far but 
the amount of firepower that they have on the offensive end and how dominating they are defensively, I feel like they can keep that up against the other powers in the conference. And then, now let's get into some games that are coming up this week in SAC play. First off, Wayne versus Northside. Both teams are searching for their first win of the season. They're the last two winless teams in the SAC. Northside, really surprising to see them winless, but one of them has to get a W this week. I think it's going to be Northside. I think Bronte Johnson's finally coming back from the COVID list. I think that's that alone is just enough to make Northside an even better team than they were before than Wayne. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with Anthony on this one. I'm going to take Northside. Just what he was saying with Bronte Johnson being able to play in this game. They have explosive weapons on offense. Even though they were shut out against Carroll, I think they're going to score a lot of points tonight. This is a personal pick. I'm going to go with Wayne. I think Northside is the better team, but Northside has really let me down every time that I predict them because I have gone with Northside. I think three of the three weeks that we have predicted Northside games, so even though this is probably the week they finally get a win, I just don't trust them. Give me Wayne. How about Concordia Lures? Lures coming off the biggest win of the season over Homestead at Concordia. They play without Eli Maddox, like we said earlier. He suffered an injury versus Snyder last week. There is no way for Concordia to win this game. If you look on offense, they are way outnumbered. If you look on defense, they just don't have the firepower. This is Lures. Give me Lures by 40. Last time Bishop Lures was able to knock off Homestead, the next week... They got upset by Concordia. I'm going to take the cadets to upset Carson Clark and Bishop Lures Knights. I'm going to have to disagree with you, Noah. I know that that kind of Lee Corso type prediction could turn out to bite everybody else, but I'm going to do the safe pick here and go with Bishop Lures. Concordia, especially without their starting QB, they really don't stand a chance against arguably the best team in the SAC. Then how about Carroll Northrop? Carroll is looking to avoid their first two and two start since going three and seven in 2018. I've got Carroll in this. Northrop hasn't really impressed me so far. Their only win being by one point to the Wayne Generals. So Carroll, they're back with Jeff Becker. Give me Carroll. Yeah, by Carroll. 56. Carroll will win this one easy over Northrop. Northrop has been struggling all year long. They had a good first half against Homestead, but since then, they've really just been a team that could not get things going. Carroll's going to win this one easy. I'm going to go with Carroll, too. Northrop, I don't think they keep the win streak alive. I think they go back to the losing column against Carroll, and it's going to be a blowout in my mind. 30 points is what I'm going to go with. And we would talk about Snyder versus Southside, however... Snyder not going to play the Archers this week due to COVID issues. Southside had to back out of the game. Snyder was looking for an opponent as of two days ago, but they could not find one. So more than likely, the Panthers will not be playing Friday night and will get to avoid Southside. And that is good news for Snyder as they get another week of rest. They don't have to play a decent opponent this week to take on now they get extra rest to take on their big game of the season against Homestead next week yes Snyder getting a bye week heading into this game against the Spartans that could be a huge factor in that matchup 
And that will take us to the end of this week's episode of Around the SAC. We'll return to the pregame show after these short messages. This is WCYT Spark. Casa Italian Restaurants with four Fort Wayne locations, West Jefferson Boulevard, DuPont Road, Parnell Avenue, and Stellhorn Road. Featuring their Casa Borough salad, brick oven pizzas, and over 30 pasta selections. Dine-in or carry-out available, or let Casa cater your next special occasion. Menus and information at casarestaurants.com. Casa Italian Restaurant, a proud sponsor of Homestead Media. And now, let's head back out to the stadium for more Homestead Spartan football, right here on the Point 91 FM. Welcome back to the WCYT Spartan Football Pre-Game Show. I'm Brayden Carroll, joined alongside Anthony Gary. We're just about 30 minutes away from kickoff of tonight's Week 4 showdown between the Homestead Spartans and the Bishop Dwanger Saints. And Homestead, they're missing a big piece of their offense tonight. Starting running back and cornerback, Desmond Smith Jr. will be out for multiple weeks following an injury sustained last week against Bishop Lures. Coach Zolman He's going to have to take a look elsewhere on the game or on the ground game for now. And I think he won't have much issues looking for a new running back. Brett Fox has stepped up, the sophomore. He has four touchdowns in just two games of playing. He's looked phenomenal as a backup. He's expected to be the starter tonight. The real issue without Dez is the cornerback position because Dez, he was a two-way player, was the starting cornerback for Homestead the number one cornerback, and now without that, you saw it in the secondary in the second half. They didn't look as strong. Ethan Dorsey is going to have to step up, and, of course, Aaron Wagner will also have to step up. And not only is Desmond Smith Jr. out at the running back position, but also his backup, his second string, Cam Johnson, is also injured. So right now, Homestead, only Brett Fox and Brevin Adams are going to be the running backs that have seen varsity time this season as two running backs, the first string and the second string, both out tonight for Homestead. That's a big loss on the ground game, but actually talked about it a little bit with Coach Zolman. He's expecting to continue to use the ground game. And, yeah, the ground game, I don't think it will be that much of a problem considering Brett Fox's speed and agility. He definitely used it to his strength. He's slightly undersized compared to Des Smith Jr. and Cam Johnson, but it doesn't matter if he can get around the outside and get an open lane. We've seen it in the last two games. He can score pretty easily. For a while, Brett Fox was actually leading the team in rushing yards until the Lures game when Desmond Smith Jr. got himself over 100 yards on the ground. So Homestead certainly has plenty of competent options to go to at running back. And Dwinger, they're currently also dealing with some complications on offense with a possible QB battle between starter Evan Springer and Bodie Dickerson heading into the season they had a quarterback battle, and Springer won the transfer from Archbishop Moeller in Cincinnati, Ohio. But as the season has gone on, the two have proven themselves in different ways. In fact, last week, it was Bodie Dickerson who got more yards and more touchdowns than Evan Springer. So Coach Jason Garrett really has a tough decision ahead of him that might be decided with tonight's game. And don't be surprised to see them both playing tonight, Evan Springer's going to be the starter but he had some questions in the game in his first few appearances especially against Wayne he didn't look very good against Southside he looked a lot better a lot more discipline 
but look for them both to be playing tonight. If Springer's not playing well, don't be surprised to see Dickerson come in. And right now, Evan Springer is quarterback rating 73.4, which is just around average pretty much. He's getting 73 yards per game, 13.7 yards per attempt. Certainly two options, two great options that Bishop Dwinger has at quarterback right now out of Evan Springer and Bodie Dickerson. It's going to be tough, but either way, Bishop Dwinger has a competent quarterback leading the offense. And Anthony, let's look at the grand scheme of things. Now that Homestead has a one in the loss column, the SAC, it's a conference where to win the championship, you either have to go undefeated or lose once and get lucky with losses from other teams around the way. Last year, Homestead's sole loss came to a Northrop team that didn't finish well, so there was no worry of a possible tiebreaker. But this year with Lures knocking off Sparty, the odds of then jumping lures in the standings becomes an incredibly difficult task. It will take a lot of luck and a lot of losses from other top teams in the SAC for Homestead to retain the bell. And especially if Homestead wants to solely keep the bell and not have to share it over the offseason. They need lures to lose two games, and Homestead needs to win out. If Homestead, if they want to retain the bell solely and alone, they've got to go 8-1, and one, which means winning out, which also means beating Bishop Dwanger, Snyder, and Carroll all top teams that they have to play, and Bishop Lures has to lose to both Snyder, Bishop Dwanger, or another team along the road if Homestead wants to have a shot at retaining the belt. And really the most realistic option that Homestead has to not retain the belt but win the SAC title and have that three-peat next to their names would be a three-way tie having beaten Dwanger tonight and then maybe Dwanger beating Lures later in the season. It would be a three-way tie between Homestead, Dwinger, and Lures. So it will take a lot for Homestead to win outright. Lures will have to lose twice. Homestead will have to win out the rest of the way. And Lures, really the only way that they can lose twice is losing to Dwinger and maybe Snyder. And you cannot forget about the Carroll Chargers. Their only loss of the season is to Bishop Lures. If Bishop Lures, if they're going to go down, if they're going to lose two games, but Carroll were to beat Homestead, it'd be their bell. So it's really a four-team race to get the SAC bell this year. Certainly going to be interesting. A whole lot different story than last year where all Homestead had to do was win out after a week one loss. It's going to be fun. It's a season that's different than the last two when it comes to keeping that bell in the Homestead locker room. And with that, we're going to take a quick break, but don't go anywhere. It's next up, a one-on-one -on -one interview with Coach Zolman ahead of tonight's game. Homestead, Dwanger. This is WCYT Spartan Football. Marco's Pizza, located at 10345 Illinois Road, inside the shops of Scott Road. Marco specializes in pizza, subs, and more. Order online at marcos.com or by phone at 625-6800. Thank you, Marcos, for supporting the Point 91 FM and being a proud sponsor of Homestead Media's athletics coverage. And now, let's head back out to the stadium for more Homestead Spartan football right here on the Point 91 FM. Welcome back to the OPS Spartan football pregame show. I'm Brayden Carroll, and now joined by Homestead football head coach Chad Zolman. And coach, it was a tough loss last week as Bishop Lures came to Dave Walters and got the 45-42 victory over Homestead in dramatic fashion. After falling down big at the half, your team was able to come back and take the lead in the fourth quarter, but couldn't stop Lures in the last seconds. What were your biggest takeaways from the game last Friday? Well, 
we played pretty poorly the first half on defense. You know, our kids would admit that. And uh, so I think uh, you have to come out. And, and, and when we looked at the film, you know, there's just enough mistakes in each uh, each series to keep them alive and to keep a series going and things like that. So uh, I thought the thing that I really liked about the team was how hard they played the second half and came out and overcame a two-score deficit and took the lead and uh, had a, a real opportunity to win at the end and uh, just couldn't finish that team off. And the goal is to get better each week, and I'm sure there were a lot of things you learned about your team from that game. Even in a loss, do you feel you have a better read of your team, and are there things that this team learned from even in a loss? You know, we've talked about that. I think that in a, in a close win, uh, you might overlook some of the mistakes that you made because you got the win. So when you lose, you start to look look at things in detail and, you know, kind of go through things thoroughly. And, and I think that's what we did. And uh, we've addressed some things this week. And uh, hopefully with uh, the improvement that we see from the last game to this one is significant because I think there was a lot to learn from it. And there have been times where it felt like one loss would derail the chance of winning a conference championship in the SAC. But in a league with so much parity, plus what we saw firsthand last year for Homestead, we know that you still have a chance to keep the bell another season. Has any goals changed for this team? And do you feel that the morale is still high in the locker room? The goals have not changed. Uh, We don't know how this season will play out, like you said. So... Uh, the goal is to go play our best football game this week. And then, uh, unfortunately, we've taken our own destiny out of our hands somewhat. So uh, the only thing we can do is just focus on our opponent and, and try to get a win this week. And then we do the same thing each week. Once again, I'm joined in the studio with Homestead football coach Chad Zolman. And tonight your opponent in Bishop Dwanger has been on a roll, one of two remaining undefeated teams in the conference. What's your evaluation of Coach Garrett and his squad this year? Well, as always, they're a very well-coached team. They're, uh, they don't make a lot of mistakes uh, schematically. They, they don't get themselves out of position defensively. Uh, their special teams are always executed well. So uh, you just see a, a, an athletic, physical, uh, well-coached football team every year when you look at Dwinger. And with running back Desmond Smith Jr. out for tonight's game, what is the plan on the offensive side against one of the toughest defenses in the area? Well, we still have to be able to run the ball. And we feel like the kids that we've got, uh, besides Des, are pretty good. And um, Sean Fox and uh, Brevin Adams, will, I think, will do a great job to back there tonight. So, uh, you know, it's kind of uh, – we've been kind of blessed with some good backs, with some good speed and some good vision, and I think that, that they'll show that tonight. In tonight's game against Bishop Dwinger, the last two seasons against this squad has really come down to the wire with the game being decided – by the Spartans' defense on the last play of the game each of the previous two seasons. Even though only a few players were directly involved in those games, do you think there is an added confidence for this year's group if that scenario plays out again? Well, it is a different group each year, but, you know, they learn from the previous. And a lot of these guys were on the field last year when they when that triple overtime game. So, uh, you know, we, we, we constantly preach to them, whoever plays the hardest, the longest wins. And... Uh, it has been our kind of our mantra the last couple of years, and, and, and we feel like uh, if we continue to play that hard, uh, no matter what happens, if it's a close game at the end or it's uh, you know overtime or whatever it might be, we feel like we've got a good shot. 
Once again, I'm joined in the studio with Homestead football coach Chad Zolman. And we talked about it earlier, but with a win tonight against Homestead, they would be right back in the hunt for an SAC title. The importance of this game and the grand scheme of the entire season is very prevalent. Does that even cross the minds of your players when gearing up for this game? Uh, you, you know, I think the fact that we get to play a really good football, undefeated football team uh, at, tonight uh, makes a big deal. And I don't know that, you know, they have to think about anything other than that fact, that they get to go play a very good football team and they get to test themselves once again. And um, you know, th- those types of things, I think, are the motivators. And uh, we'll let the, the wins and losses pan out and see where we're at. Finally, Coach, what are some keys to a win tonight over Dwanger? We we have to be able to move the ball on the ground, uh, be efficient with our pass game as we have been, and uh, like we did last week, I thought we were pretty efficient the entire game last week. Um, uh, but this, and then on defense, we just have to. I think we have to play more disciplined football with our eyes, with our um, positioning, with the physicality, uh, with our angles, things like that. And those are the, really the things we've worked on this week. So I hope. Uh, to see that. And if we do those things, I think we'll be successful. Thanks for joining me in the studio, Coach. Good luck on tonight's game. Thank you. And we'll be right back with more of the WCYT Spartan Football pregame show after these short messages. Casa Italian Restaurants with four Fort Wayne locations, West Jefferson Boulevard, DuPont Road, Parnell Avenue, and Stellhorn Road. Featuring their Casa Burro salad, brick oven pizzas, and over 30 pasta selections. Dine in or carry out available, or let Casa cater your next special occasion. Menus and information at casarestaurants.com. Casa Italian Restaurant, a proud sponsor of Homestead Media. And now, let's head back out to the stadium for more Homestead Spartan football, right here on the Point 91 FM. And welcome back to the WCYT Spartan football pregame show. We're just about 15 minutes away from kickoff, and it is a beautiful day in Fort Wayne, Indiana. 77 degrees, partially cloudy, but that kind of feels like a lie. A whole lot of sun out, and it's a beautiful day for football. And you could not ask for any better conditions. Students are packing into the stands. Parents are packing in. This is the this was set to be the game of the year at the start of the season, and I think everybody's excited. And the student section, like you said, it is absolutely packed on the opposite side. It's camo night for the Homestead student section. And with the pretty much three areas of seating that the Spartans have right now, already a third is filled, and we aren't even 15 minutes away from kickoff yet. Very well, some of those students might have to stand along the fence. And we saw this two years ago at the Carroll game. The students were only allotted a small section of the guest stands, but they overflowed. They surrounded the fences, and they were—they just showed up. Really, the student section, absolutely insane for Homestead. Game after game, they show up. And also showing up right now at Shields Field is a helicopter. Of course, tonight is Bishop Dwanger's Respect to the service night, and there's actually some popcorn bags and leaves onto the field. Never seen this before for a high school game, but it is essentially a respect to military and ode to military night for Bishop Dwanger wearing their rarely seen gold and black 
Army Air National Guard jerseys, a special night tonight at Shields Field. And yeah, paying tribute to the veterans in the crowd tonight, wearing the uniforms, the helicopter fly by, knocking leaves and trash into the air, showing its respect. And this crowd, not only is it Army Night, not only are they here to support the veterans, but they're here to watch an amazing football game. The last two years, two years ago, it was 17-15. to 15. Both sides of the crowd got a little bit rowdy. Homestead pulled away with the win there. And then last year, a triple overtime game for the Spartans coming out on top. Really has been a fantastic rivalry for the last three years. The first three years, there have been six meetings between these two teams since joining the SAC. First three years were blowouts. Two went to Dwanger, and one was a 42-0 shutout that Homestead got. And then the last three have been the real exciting, the barn burners, the fantastic showdowns that everybody has to turn on their TVs and their radio stations for. 2018, Dwanger won 23-10 at Homestead. 2019, like you said, 17-15. Homestead got the big W here at Shields Field, their first game at this new stadium. And then 2020, triple overtime, arguably the SAC Game of the year, 35-34, came down to a missed two-point conversion at the very end that Dwanger could not get. And we are bound for a fantastic game again. There's a whole lot on the line, including SAC championship implications. And the fans, they they know that. The Dwanger fans, while they're walking in the stadium, they've been receiving little white clappers that make a ton of noise. It's feeling like a postseason baseball game at Wrigley Field. Everyone's handed their rally rags. You can expect to hear a lot of clapping noise tonight on third downs and fourth downs. And on the Homestead side, Homestead students, they've notoriously traveled very well. Two years ago at Dwanger, almost traveled a little bit too well. Things got a little crazy on the sideline for an incredible game. And you can expect, I mean, both sides to just be loud tonight. Yeah, over on the Dwanger side, it's going to be like the Cowbells in Mississippi State. It's going to be mighty loud here from both the Homestead student section and the Dwinger section overall, as I believe parents are getting those clappers as well. And we're going to take a quick break, but stay tuned. The rest of the Spartan pregame show coming up in just a little bit. Point is WCYT 91.1 Lafayette Township, Fort Wayne, a broadcast service of Homestead High School, presented by Homestead Media Online at WCYT.org. The Point 91 FM, where music is the point. Casa Italian Restaurants, with four Fort Wayne locations, West Jefferson Boulevard, DuPont Road, Parnell Avenue, and Stellhorn Road. Featuring their Casa Burro salad, brick oven pizzas, and over 30 pasta selections. Dine-in or carry-out available, or let Casa cater your next special occasion. Menus and information at casarestaurants.com. Casa Italian Restaurant, a proud sponsor of Homestead Media. And now, let's head back out to the stadium for more Homestead Spartan football, right here on the Point 91 FM. Welcome live to Shields Field. Um, we're actually going to take a quick break as the National Anthem about to kick off here on a very special night at Shields Field, commemorating the Army and veterans across the United States. So we will be right back. National Anthem coming right up. 
Moe's Southwest Grill. Located at 6739 West Jefferson Boulevard, next to Dunkin' Donuts, Baskin-Robbins. Specializing in Southwestern foods like burritos, tacos, and nachos. For full menus and to order online, go to moes.com. Moe's Southwest Grill, a proud sponsor of Homestead Media. Manchester University. Offering more than 70 areas of study, including the health sciences, accounting, business, teacher education, and the arts. Student-athletes compete in 20 NCAA sports for men and women, and co-curricular activities include eSports, marching band, and other musical ensembles. Learn more at manchester.edu. And now, let's head back out to the stadium. Marco's Pizza, located at 10345 Illinois Road, inside the shops of Scott Road. Marco specializes in pizza, subs, and more. Order online at marcos.com or by phone at 625-6800. Thank you, Marcos, for supporting the Point 91 FM and being a proud sponsor of Homestead Media's athletics coverage. The point is WCYT 91.1 Lafayette Township, Fort Wayne, a broadcast service of Homestead High School, presented by Homestead Media online at WCYT.org. The Point 91 FM, where music is the point. Manchester University, offering more than 70 areas of study, including the health sciences, accounting, business, teacher education, and the arts. Student-athletes compete in 20 NCAA sports for men and women, and co-curricular activities include eSports, marching band, and other musical ensembles. Learn more at manchester.edu. Support for Homestead High School Athletics comes from Jason Corner, CFP, your Edward Jones Financial Advisor at 7329 West Jefferson Boulevard. For more information, visit edwardjones.com. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Moe's Southwest Grill, located at 6739 West Jefferson Boulevard, next to Dunkin' Donuts, Baskin-Robbins. Specializing in Southwestern foods like burritos, tacos, and nachos. For full menus and to order online, go to moes.com. Moe's Southwest Grill, a proud sponsor of Homestead Media. And now, let's head back out to the stadium for more Homestead Spartan football, right here on the Point 91 FM. And welcome back to the WCYT Spartan Football Free Game Show. Ahead of tonight's Week 4 matchup between the Bishop Dwinger Saints and the visiting Homestead Spartans. I'm Brian Carroll, joined by Anthony Gary as we get closer and closer to the 7 p.m. kickoff of tonight's game. And while Homestead's odds of an SAC championship have gotten significantly lower after the Lures defeat, Dwinger, they still remain well in the hunt. Only the Saints and their rival Bishop Lures remain undefeated. Dwanger, they really control their own destiny until that fateful Week 7 matchup. And that's why this game is so big for Dwanger tonight. They know Homestead is their biggest opponent until facing Bishop Lures. Walking away with the win here tonight for the Saints would mean everything. That means they're going to 4-0 and to and just can ride the wave, the undefeated wave, all the way till their big Bishop Lures game that could be to decide the, net, the SAC title. 
Homestead Spartans coming out onto the field right as we speak, holding up the Hog Squad flag, courtesy of the offensive line with the victory bell ringing on. He'll stay in the Spartans' custody for at least the remainder of the season. Homestead fighting hard to keep it for all of the offseason, another 365 days with the old blue and gold bell. And they need to fight really hard. Not only do they need to win tonight, they need to also beat Snyder next week, beat Carroll week seven, and hope Bishop Lures loses a couple games down the road. And Bishop Lures, they have opportunities where they might slip up First off, next week they play Carroll, who is a very tough squad to beat. Jeff Becker leads a fantastic Chargers offense. And then week seven, Bishop Lures, followed by week eight, Snyder. Really three ways that Bishop Dwanger could find themselves having a loss this season, including this game. And they got they got it pretty easy to start the season, as they do almost every season. Breeze by their first three games without much competition, but this is when the pedal hits the metal for Bishop Dwanger. They have got to get going. It might be a rough first half facing a physical opponent they have, that they have not gotten to face so far. And by the, by the time they get to the second half, if they don't have this figured out, if they don't have playing a top team figured out, it could be a struggle. Yeah, you really look at the fact that Bishop Dwanger leads the SAC in both points scored, or it's tied with Homestead at 44.0 points per game. And then also at the top of the SAC, the points allowed with just 18 points per game allowed. They have played just three teams that really don't impress anybody when you beat them, Wayne, Northside, and Southside. Northside, by the way, winless. Southside and Wayne only with one win on the year. So this is the first real test for Bishop Dwanger. It's going to be a tough one against Homestead, who is hungry for a win after losing to Lures last week. And that cannot be more true. Homestead, they this week the in practice, they've been getting amped up. They know that that Lures game, they've got to rebound from that. They can't just sit and sulk acting like the season's over because they lost to Bishop Lures. They've got to come and they've got to show up to this Bishop Dwanger game tonight. And going to Homestead, Peyton Slavin, he's looking for a bounce back game this week after throwing for under 200 yards, two interceptions, and just one touchdown in the Lures loss. However, playing on the road against the top defense in the conference statistically won't make things easy for him. And in Peyton Slavin, he's got to step up against Bishop Dwanger. He looked solid in the Concordia game and looked pretty pretty good in the second half of the Northrop game. But he's really got to step up, and I think a lot of it, he just needs to be a lot more confident. In the second half of the Northrop game, he looked very confident, confident scrambling out of the pocket it, against Bishop Lures, not as much. So confidence will be a huge issue for Peyton Slavin. He's got to find his favorite targets. Yeah, Peyton Slavin this year. 65.5% completion percentage, under 500 yards on the year. However, he's got 163.7 yards per game. His QBR, much better than Evan Springer's at 115. That's well above average. So statistically, it's hard to really pinpoint Peyton Slavin and how he is on the spectrum of SAC quarterbacks. This game, though, could decide a whole lot for how people view Slavin, the young gun, at QB for Homestead. And if I'm going to pinpoint him at a spot, I'd put him at number three behind Carson Clark and Jeff Becker, the two front heads, quarterbacks of the SAC, without a doubt. And Peyton Slavin, he is a good quarterback. He has loads of potential. He's only a junior in the class of 2023. 
He has a lot of potential. He can throw the ball a mile. We've seen a couple of his post-route touchdowns to Nate Anderson where he threw it 50 yards plus. If he can unleash that arm tonight, I think Dwanger could have a real big problem. Speaking of Dwanger, Dwanger won the coin toss, and they have appeared to elect to kick things off to the Spartans. And no, actually, they elected to receive Carter Dixon out there, the kicker for Homestead. So Dwanger will get the ball to start, or will kick the ball off to start the second half. This is going to be a huge game, Anthony. A whole lot of implications and bragging rights on the line as throughout the last few years, this has become a major rivalry in the conference. Homestead looking to come back and bounce back after taking their first loss of the year to Bishop Lewers last week, hoping to not make it twice. They have not lost two in a row in four years. Homestead just looking for a win. Dwanger hitting the field now. So we're having some mic issues currently. This game, an exciting game. Everyone's on their feet, even the parents in the Bishop Lure side. They're getting ready. They've got their clappers ready to go for tonight. And it's good to have you back, Anthony. You thought I lost you for a minute. Thought I'd have to call this game solo. Nice set. I have my partner in crime here. Call this game. Carter Dixon kicking off to Bishop Dwanger, sailing into the end zone. And this is going to be a fair catch. Henry O'Keefe was there to catch it. And here comes the Bishop Dwanger offense, tied for first in the SAC with 44 points per game, 342.3 yards per game, led by number 16, Evan Springer, the QB from Archbishop Moeller High School in Ohio. And a big key to this game that not a lot of people talk about is going to be special teams. Carter Dixon with a booming kickoff deep into the end zone, forcing Bishop Dwanger to start on their own 20-yard line, making them have to go 80 yards. First and 10 for Bishop Dwanger. K.J. Tittman, the running back in a wildcat formation. Up the gut, sheds a tackle to the 20 and tackled by Isaac Barkus on the near side at about the 23-yard line. That will bring up a second and seven. Isaac Barkus did not play his best game last week, nor the Homestead secondary. They struggled last week. That play right there looked pretty promising. They read that play, and Isaac Barkus was able to pick up that tackle pretty easily. Second and seven at the 23. K.J. Tittman back. Next to Evan Springer in the gun, no longer in the Wildcat formation. One wide receiver to each side, stacked offensive line. Play action, short pass complete to Henry O'Keefe at the 30, and he has knocked out the near side at about the 30-yard line, right where he caught it. It was Carter Kube and Max Schiltz making the tackle, and third and one coming up. They will not count him at the first down marker. Hurry up offense for Bishop Dwanger. Third and one at the 29-yard line. Evan Springer in the gun with K.J. Tittman off to his left hip. Two wide receivers to each side. Movements before the snap, and it looked like Jackson Chrisman was the one who moved. This might be offsides on Homestead. 
and that was a rookie mistake for the junior, jumping off sides. He almost did it last possession, too, barely caught himself. That looks like it's going to be Bishop Dwanger's play tonight, trying to call the penalties on the young front three. 10.48 left in the first, first and 10 at the 34, following the offside penalty. Two wide receivers, two Evan Springers left. Handoff to K.J. Tipman up the gut to the 39-yard line and wrapped up by Evan Person, the Wayne transfer, making the tackle at about the 39-yard line and a second and five coming up for Dwanger. Bishop Dwanger, they're running with seven offensive linemen right now, a center, Three guys to the right, three guys to the left. An interesting formation. We saw Bishop Lures run with six guys, and it worked really well for them last week. Second and five at the 39. Evan Springer takes the snap, handoff up the gut to take. K.J. Tittman crosses the 40 and knocked down at about the 42-yard line. Max Schultz again making the tackle. He's tied as the leading tackler for this team, and he brings up a third and five at the 42 for the Saints. Three yards to go, expecting them to hand the ball off to K.J. Tipman. It seems to be the way to go. He's been getting three yards on all of his runs so far this game. Two wide receivers to the left. K.J. Tipman to Evan Springers. Also left. Third and three at the 42-yard line. Big third down to start off this game. Blitz coming from Homestead. Handoff up the gut to K.J. Tipman to the 45. Up midfield to the 50. Chance tackles to the 40. Here he goes. No one's going to catch K.J. Tipman. Touchdown, Twinger. Almost stopped, but they could not catch the speedy senior. And Twinger hits the board first. K.J. Tipman. Right up the middle, pushing through and just blitzed through Homestead, just down the field, in between the hashes, all the way to the end zone. KJ Tipman, that's what he can do to you. He averages 10.6 yards per carry, and that average is absolutely carried by big runs like that. And with 9.20 left in the first, they strike first blood. Odd formation here. On the PAT for Bishop Dwanger, whole line move from the left to the right, but they are doing a normal PAT here with Joe Bulanda. Right down the middle, and it is good. He goes up to four and six on the year, and Bishop Dwanger, 9.20 left in the first, leads 7-0 over the Homestead Spartans. We'll be right back. Marco's Pizza. Located at 10345 Illinois Road, inside the shops of Scott Road. Marco specializes in pizza, subs, and more. Order online at marcos.com or by phone at 625-6800. Thank you, Marcos, for supporting the Point 91 FM and being a proud sponsor of Homestead Media's athletics coverage. And now, let's head back out to the stadium for more Homestead Spartan football, right here on the Point 91 FM. Bishop Dwinger strikes first blood in this game. 9.20 left in the first, and they lead 7-0 after an electric 60-yard run by K.J. Tipman to start things off. Quite the start for the Saints. Homestead struggled against the run last week against Bishop Lures. Sir Hale for the Bishop Lures Knights was running all over the Homestead defense. And the, the Spartans, they've got to figure out K.J. Tittman because he's even more of a threat at running back than Sir Hale. And, and Bishop Dwinger already 
kicking things back off to the Spartans, the number two team in the media and coaches poll in Class 5A, ranked number third in the Blitz Power Poll, just under Homestead, who is just under Bishop Lures. Blonda kicking off into the wind, and this sails into the end zone. One touchback for Dixon and one touchback for Bulanda. And here comes the Homestead offense led by Peyton Slavin and a backup Brett Fox at running back as Des Smith out with injury along with the second string Cam Johnson. And that, like I said in the pregame show, no concerns with Brett Fox. He's looked elite at running back. I think this is going to be a ground game for Homestead tonight, not as much as an air game. 9.20 left in the first. First and 10 at the 20-yard line for Homestead. Slavin in the gun. Two wide receivers to his right. And Sparrow and Schiltz lined up at the slot to his left. Red Fox, the running back. Two safeties up close for Dwinger. Snap drops back. Deep throw to Anderson. Wide open at the 40. To the 20. To the near side. To the 10. He is gone. Just like that. Homestead notches things up. And we have an offensive battle between these two. And that's not a surprising that's not a surprising pass to see out of Slavin. I said he has to throw it deep. And those post routes to Nate Anderson are so Beautiful, and Slavin and Anderson have that connection on that exact route, and already a touchdown for the Spartans. And we knew this was going to be an offensive shootout, almost like bedlam between Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, as both these teams tied at the top of the SAC in points per game. But we didn't know they both scored that quickly. Extra point for Cameron Jarrett coming up. He's perfect on the year. Snap, good, hold, good, and it is. Right down the middle, and just like that, click clang. Homestead ties things up at seven with 9:09 left in the first. If you like Homestead offense, you'll like this one. Most Southwest Grill, located at 6739 West Jefferson Boulevard, next to Dunkin' Donuts, Baskin Robbins, specializing in Southwestern foods like burritos, tacos, and nachos. For full menus and to order online, go to Mo's.com. Moe's Southwest Grill, a proud sponsor of Homestead Media. And now, let's head back out to the stadium for more Homestead Spartan football, right here on the Point 91 FM. And if you took a quick break about two minutes ago to, I don't know, go get yourself some food at the gas station, you might be surprised to come back and hear Homestead's already tied it up 7-7 with 9.09 left in the first Quick pass between Slavin and Anderson ended up in the touchdown on the first play of the first drive for Homestead. And that's a Chad Zolman play. The coach in his 18th year of the season just wanted one play, one touchdown. Now he has the Saints defense scare. They're going to send another guy into the backfield afraid of those long post routes again. And now they're on edge. Carter Dixon kicking off for Homestead. Feels like he just did this because he did. Kick off over the head of Henry O'Keefe. Another touchback, and here comes the Dwinger offense. And hopes that they've got to find a solution for the run game for K.J. Tipman. There's a whole lot of Tipmans on this roster, but K.J. is the one that really steps up to the plate, the starting running back for Bishop Dwinger. 
He has 10.6 yards per carry. We talked about that earlier. He is just phenomenal. He had 10.6 against Southside last week, 6.8 on the season. 9.09 left in the first. First and 10 at the 20-yard line for Bishop Dwinger. Wide receiver to each side. Snap handoff to K.J. Tipman. Bounces off a tackler. Sheds one from Detweiler. He's still going to the 20, to the near side, to the 30. What a run by K.J. Tipman. And it only ends up as about 15 yards, but he probably ran about 150 in general. And he just went all the way out to the right, backed up, and went around to the left. Some backyard football K.J. Tipman's out there playing. But if it works, it works. First and 10 at the 34 for Bishop Dwinger. And K.J. Tipman's going to hit the sideline for a little bit. Back up, running back coming in just for a few plays. Evan Springer at quarterback. Snap, fakes the handoff, throws downfield. He's got man wide open, and it's incomplete. Could not hang on to it. Second and ten coming up for Bishop Dwinger. And Irvin right there on the little fly route, not able to hold on to the ball with a great hit by Eben Person. Now a second and 10 at the 34 for Dwinger. Tight package on the offensive side. Two wide receivers to the right. Homestead showing blitz snap, handoff. Goes nowhere. Carter Koob getting the tackle in the backfield on Teddy Steele. And a third down forced. And it's a third and long for Bishop Dwinger, third and 13. And now this is when you see Homestead do their third down formation. Nose tackle Johnny Waddell and Carter Koob come off the field. And now Orlando Sheets is into the game at nose tackle. Third and 13 at the 31 for Bishop Dwinger. Eight minutes left in the first, tied at seven. Three wide receivers out there for Dwinger. Two to the right side and one to the left. KJ Tipman back out there running back. Snap, drops back. Short throw complete to Henry O'Keefe, and he goes nowhere after making the completion. Ethan Dorsey with the tackle. And the Spartan defense forces the first fourth down of this game. And we're only five minutes into this game. Of It seems crazy saying it, but a punt is actually being kicked. It's the, on the third possession of the game, only four minutes, 30 seconds into the game. Fourth and two at the 42. Dwanger opting to not go for it here. Joseph Moran lining up at punter. Good snap. Knuckleball into the air, lobbing up, and it bounces. It takes a Homestead bounce at about the 39-yard line. Homestead getting a lucky break on the field position as that punt doesn't go very far. And here comes the Homestead offense again with the opportunity to get a momentum swing and take the lead over Bishop Dwinger. The stadium was sucked out of life on that Homestead long one play, one touchdown. It's quiet over here on the Dwinger side the Homestead side starting to cheer a little bit. The cheerleaders are getting the fans going. They want to see another big play. Here we go. First and 10 at the 39 for Homestead at the Homestead 39. 7.03 left in the first, tied at 7. Brett Fox in the backfield. Max Schiltz, Nate Anderson, Gage Sparrow with the wideouts. 
for the Spartans on the field currently. Peyton Slavin, the QB. Play clock not going for some reason. The refs haven't blown the whistle quite yet. Homestead's getting plenty of time to talk this one out. It looks like there's a disagreement on the placing of the football. Refs talk it out, and now they're going to go ahead and let the play clock roll. And now Homestead getting ready for the play. And another whistle blown. As the ref is pointing somewhere over to the Homestead end zone. And no, it's a kickoff tee that was actually left on the field, I think, or something that was left on the field. It looked like one of Dwinger's neon kickoff tees, but either way, it's off the field, and now we're going to have a play. First and 10 at the 39. You might have forgot it after that two-minute break. Jet sweep to Sparrow after the snap. Makes a cut and out of bounds at the 40-yard line on the far side. Not much gain there. Second and 10 coming up again at the 40. A lot. Expect a lot more of those style plays. The jet sweeps to Sparrow and Anderson all the time. These guys have some speed. Gage Sparrow, Peyton Slavin's favorite target for sure. Last week against Bishop Lewis had 10 receptions for 99 yards and two rushing attempts on these style of plays for 13 yards. Second nine at the 40, under seven minutes left in the first. Slavin in the gun, snap handoff, fakes it up the gut, and he is tackled at about the 44-yard line. Got the hit stick laid on him. And a third and four coming up for Homestead. This is a pivotal third down. They don't want to punt the ball off back to the Saints offense. The Spartans really need to get a first down here. Keep this drive alive. Third and four at the 45 for Homestead in their own territory looking off to the sideline. Nate Anderson to the left. Gage Sparrow to the right. Isaac Bark is at the slot position. Slaving in the gun. Dwinger showing blitz. Snap. Short throw to Sparrow, complete at the 50. Shakes the tackler and knocked down at about the 47-yard line. That's enough for a first down to move Homestead into Dwinger territory. That's the Sparrow specialty, those 5- to 10-yard routes. That's why he's thrown to all the time. He did such a great job of getting open right there. Just a little curl route, caught the ball, first down, got a couple yards after the catch. First and 10 now at the Dwinger, 46, 5.57 left in the first tie game, 7 each. Slavin in the gun, two wide receivers to the left, one to the right. Brett Fox behind him. Snap, handoff to Fox, and he is stuffed in the backfield. Big stop by Bishop Dwanger. And a second and 12 coming up for Homestead. It was Colin Vance who came out of the bottom of the pile. And Brett Fox not seeing the plays he saw last week where he got to go to the outside. Looks like they're using him like they used Desmond Smith Jr., the normal starting running back, putting him up the middle. You have to wonder, as somebody watching the game, are they going to revert back to letting him go outside? Because if you give Brett Fox space, he can do whatever he wants with it. Second and 12 at the 48. Two wide receivers to the left, one to the right. Snapped, short throw to Anderson. Complete at the line of scrimmage to the 45 in the far side and finally knocked down 
at about the 44-yard line, number 34, Gavin Groves, the senior outside linebacker, making the tackler, and a third and medium coming up for Homestead. And not a, not the best play call there by Peyton Slavin, throwing over to Nate Anderson, only able to get two yards. Didn't really give Nate Anderson enough space to work with, but that's something to look out for. If Nate Anderson, if he gets space, if he gets a little more space than he did on that play, he can work with it and he can go far. Grady swing and Schultz out there for wide receivers. Third and eight at the 44 for Homestead. Two wide outs to the right, two to the left. Slavin in the gun. Snap drops back, pressure coming. Short throw completes to Max Schultz. The first out, the 30 to the 25, and finally knocked down. Almost lost the ball, but they will say he was out of bounds at the 21-yard line. Homestead nearing the red zone after that big completion by Max Schiltz. And although Max Schiltz is a starter on the offense and has been for three games, that is his first reception of the season. He usually plays in there to clog the middle and free up Gage Sparrow, but he was wide open on that play. 4-10 left in the first. First and 10 for Homestead. One yard away from the red zone. The 21-yard line. Two wideouts on each side for Homestead. For two slots, two wide receivers. Slavin in the gun. Snap, handoff out the middle to Fox inside the 20. And tackled by a pile of Saints. At, they will mark him down at the 17-yard line. Now, of many of the players, I saw Ben Simcox come out of that pile. Second and seven at the 18. And Jaden Abahaka and Carter Hole made a pretty nice gap for him to get five yards for Brett Fox to go up the middle, but it closed quickly as this Saints defense, the Saints front seven, they know what to do. They know when the ball's being run up the middle. They were able to collapse on him pretty quickly. Second and seven at the 18, Slavin in the gun, one right receiver to each side. Isaac Barkas and Schultz, the slot switch positions, both on each side of the tackles. Snap, play action, pressure, collapsing, throws, almost intercepted by Bishop Dwanger. Colin Vance thought he had his third interception of the year, but just out of the pause. Third and seven at the 18 coming up for Homestead. A lucky break for Peyton Slavin. The pressure was applied to Slavin. He was being tackled through the ball. Thought he had Nate Anderson open, but Colin Vance lurked Slavin. Almost had it. Bounced off his hands. Could have ended really badly for the Spartans. Gage Sparrow back out at wide receiver, taking Grady Swing's place. And expect this on a third and six. Gage Sparrow, those five to ten yard routes, expect a small short route to either him or Anderson for the first down. Third and seven at the 18. Slavin drops back, pressure collapsing. Here he comes, he's going to scramble to the joint, to the 15, to the 10, and knock down at about the 6-yard line. Solid scramble. Peyton Slavin, one of the best improvisation quarterbacks in the SAC. And that'll bring up a first down, a first and goal for the Spartans. He needed to be a lot more comfortable making broad decisions, and it looks like in this game so far, he's taking those steps. He's scrambling around that decision to run it there instead of throwing the tight fit to Gage Sparrow across the middle was a smart play call, and now it's a first and goal. First and goal at the five-yard line, 254 left in the first, slaving in the gun, Nate Anderson to his far left. Snap, hands off to Fox at the five and wrapped up at about the three-yard line. It was Gavin Groves making the touchdown-saving tackle. Second and goal at the two coming up for the Spartans. 
and I'm expecting another handoff to Brett Fox. Hopefully the offensive line can give him a little bit of a gap. All he has to do is run up the middle. He's a little bit of an undersized running back, but he's quick and he's agile. He can go around defenders pretty easily. All he needs is two yards. Brett Fox, four touchdowns on the year, looking to maybe make it five here. Second and goal at the two-yard line, slaving in the gun again. Dwanger goal line defense, hand up, handoff up the gut to Fox, and he is in. Touchdown, Homestead, fifth touch, touchdown of the year for Brett Fox, and the Spartans take the lead. And Eric Williams and Jay Nabahaka on the left side, giving Fox beautiful blocks right up the middle, had just a, a beautiful gap, Abahaka, the specialty there, pushing his guy all the way out deep into the end zone. And this game doesn't look like the last time we saw Homestead at Dwinger where it was 17-15. This one's going to be an offensive show. Cameron Jarrett lining up for the point after to make it a seven-point game. Dwinger almost got to that one, but it sails through, and Homestead takes the 14-7 lead with 2-10 left in the first quarter. We have a shootout at Shields Field. Support for Homestead High School Athletics comes from Jason Corner, CFP, your Edward Jones Financial Advisor at 7329 West Jefferson Boulevard. For more information, visit edwardjones.com. Edward Jones, member SIPC. And now, let's head back out to the stadium for more Homestead Spartan football, right here on the Point 91 FM. Welcome back at Shields Field. Homestead takes the 14-7 lead after Brett Fox took the outside handoff into the end zone. A methodical touchdown drive for Homestead as they leave 2-10 left on the clock in this first quarter. And it was a great drive overall on the offensive side for Homestead. Exactly what you want. You saw some passes. You saw some runs. You even saw Peyton Slavin running himself a few times. Exactly what Coach Zolman wants to see from that offense. And absolutely, and that's the fifth touchdown on the season for Brett Fox in only two and a quarter games. That's just unbelievable stats for the sophomore. Gar Dixon kicking it off again, and this one, they're going to mark it in the end zone. Felt like that was at about the half-yard line, but it is what it is, and here comes Bishop Dwanger looking to notch things up at 14 on this drive. This is an important offensive drive for Bishop Dwanger. We'll see if they keep it up with the seven linemen strategy that they've been using so far this game. So far they have really been packing the line and it's worked pretty well as they got an early touchdown in this one off a run by KJ Tipman. They're providing them plenty of protection on the running game. First and 10 at the 20 for Bishop Dwanger. Two wide receivers to the right. KJ Tipman back out there at running back. Snap, hands off to the 20 and he is stuffed about a yard in front of the line of scrimmage. That is Max Schiltz making the tackle, second and nine coming up for Homestead. This strategy of packing the offensive line is something Homestead hasn't gotten to experience yet this year. It's going to be a very run-heavy game for Bishop Dwanger. I don't know if that plays into their favor as Homestead has had some pretty good tackles and linebackers this year. Second and nine at the 21 for Bishop Dwanger. No safeties deep for the Spartans. They are anticipating the run on most of these plays. Two wide receivers to the right. Big tight end also over there. 
KJ Tipman next to Evan Springer. Snap short throw complete to Rocco Sioka, and he is stuffed right where he caught it. Kyle Detweiler making the demanding tackle. Third down again for Bishop Dwinger. It was smart play by the strong safety. Knew where the pass was going and was there immediately. And Nate Anderson out there at safety for Homestead, maybe looking for an interception. You usually only see a wide receiver play safety when there's a Hail Mary attempt, but they're going to send the Western Michigan commit out there on the defensive end. Third and six of the 24 for Bishop Dwinger. Three wide receivers to the left, tight end to the right. Homestead anticipating pass, two safeties deep. Blitz coming, snap. Springer drops back. Here comes the pressure, forces scramble. Jackson Chrisman forces the incompletion. Great rush there from Jackson Chrisman and the rest of the Spartan line as they force another fourth down. That Jackson Chrisman is a has been a beast this year going into the Lures game, led the state in sacks, almost getting a sack there. But Evan Springer was barely able to get the ball off in time, almost intentional grounding, but he had Stella Rooston in this in the, as a target. Joe Moran punting with 34 seconds left, fourth and six. This one is a low kick, and it's a bouncing ball. Is It's a Dwinger bounce inside the 30. That is exactly what you want if you're a Saints fan. Solid punt by Joseph Moran. And the Spartan offense taking the field again, looking to take a two-score lead, 23.9 seconds left in the first, up 7-14-7. That punt really worked in the favor of Bishop Dwanger that just rolls 15 extra yards after a low-streaming punt. That's what you want to see, putting Homestead all the way back on their own 27. First and 10 at the 27 for the Spartans. Peyton Slavin, the quarterback. Brett Fox still the running back out there. Ready swing at wide receiver. Don't see him often, but he's getting plenty of playing time through this first quarter. Two wide receivers to the right and Nate Anderson to the left. No safeties deep for Bishop Dwinger. They are showing man coverage. Snap. Slavin drops back on the play action deep to Anderson. And intercepted! Intercepted by Bishop Dwinger. That is a big stop on one play. Adam Lee getting his first interception of the year. And just like that in one play, the defense gives it right back to their offense. And what a play by Adam Lee. It looked like they had no safeties, but they knew that where that ball was going. Nate Anderson on a long post route, just like the first play of the game. Adam Lee and Colin Vance all over that ball, and Lee comes up with the interception. Double coverage, and both Saints were in front of Anderson. Really no chance for the Western Michigan commit to get that ball. 17 seconds left in the first. First and 10 for Bishop Dwinger at the 27-yard line. Two wide receivers to the right. Big tight end. Rustin to the left. I-form formation. Snap handoff to K.J. Tittman going nowhere. Actually, Teddy Steele got that one, excuse me, but still goes pretty much the line of scrimmage. Max Schultz in there making the tackle, and Dwinger will let the clock roll down to zero, and in one quarter of play, it's been an offensive battle so far. Homestead leads 14-7. We'll be right back with three more quarters of Spartan football. 
support for Homestead High School Athletics comes from Jason Corner, CFP, your Edward Jones Financial Advisor at 7329 West Jefferson Boulevard. For more information, visit edwardjones.com. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Homestead Athletics coverage is presented by WCYT Lafayette Township, Fort Wayne. Watch all live home broadcasts on YouTube. Just search Homestead Media. Home and away games are broadcast on WCYT.org and 91.1 FM. Homestead Media would like to thank all of our current sponsors for their support of our educational broadcasts. You and your businesses can sponsor individual games or even a full session of video and radio broadcasts. Email our marketing manager, Andy Dunn, at adunn at sax.k12.in.us. And now, let's head back out to the stadium for more Homestead Spartan football, right here on the Point 91 FM. Second quarter starting up, Homestead leads 14-7, and Dwanger gets the ball back after a big interception. Adam Lee catching that one and giving it back to the Saints offense at the 27-yard line. Peyton Slavin throw, threw it into double coverage on that play. Questionable decision-making as he had two wide receivers wide open, especially Grant Heyer all the way open on the right side with nobody within 10 yards of him. And correction ball at the 41 on the second and 10 for the Dwinger Saints. Fresh set of 12 minutes on the clock. Bodie Dickerson, we knew that Springer and Dickerson would share time as Dickerson, now the quarterback on the field. Still K.J. Tittman, the running back. Snap, play action. Dickerson runs it himself, and he is stuffed at about the 41-yard line on the right hash. Jackson Chrisman helping Max Schultz make that tackle and Carter Koob. It looked like Dick's Dickerson thought he had room to do it, but was too hesitant. Jackson Chrisman, Carter Coop, and Max Schultz all realized it and just got there in an instant. Now a third and ten coming up for Dwinger. No yards gained on the first two rushes of this set of downs. Ball at the 41-yard line in Dwinger territory. Dickerson in the gun. K.J. Tipman to his right hip, two wide receivers to the left, snap, and blitz was coming, whistle blown. They are pointing towards Bishop Dwinger. This might be a false start. And it looks like it's going to be a false start on the right tackle, Isaac Lehrman. That blitz was coming in fast. We saw last game, Eben Person made the huge blitz, sack, fumble, whatever you want to call it. It was a huge hit on Carson Clark, forcing the fumble. And it looks like it was about to happen, a repeat of last week again, had that not been called a false start. Deep third down for Dwinger, third and 15 at the 36-yard line. Bodie Dickerson, the QB. Three wide receivers to the left. K.J. Tipman also to his left hip. No blitz coming. Bodie Dickerson, snap, drops back. Deep ball thrown, incomplete. Evan Dorsey, or Ethan Dorsey with the tight defense. Dwinger wanted the pass interference. And it's not going to be called fourth down coming up for Dwinger. And it looks like the rep, both sides wanted a pass interference as both wide receiver Harry O'Keefe was grabbing onto the shoulder pads of Ethan Dorsey and Ethan Dorsey doing the same. Now a fourth and 15 coming up. Another punt by Joseph Moran. This one is a spiral, a beautiful one. 
as Isaac Barkas signals fair catch at about the 30-yard line. And here comes the Homestead offense looking for better results than last time It was as it was one play and one interception. And if you're offensive coordinator, Bill Scanlon, you have to be wondering, are the deep shots? It looked great on that first play, but that second one didn't did not look the best, did not look the prettiest. Are they going to give Slavin the opportunity to throw deep again, or are they going to play a lot more conservative, short passes, short runs? First and 10 for Homestead at the 28-yard line, 10-38 left in second, leading 14-7. Slavin in the gun, one wide receiver to his right, and Anderson to his left. Max Schultz, the slot, also out there with Isaac Barkas on the opposite side. Brett Fox, the running back. No safeties deep for Dwinger. Snap, outside handoff to Fox, and it is snuffed out in the backfield. The ankle tackle made by Cole Carey, who had six tackles last week against Southside, gets one there. Second and long coming up for Homestead, and it is way back there. Big stop for Cole Carey. Read that play. Brought down the small, undersized Brent Fox. Second and 17 at the 21, deep in Homestead's territory. Slavin in the gun. Two wide receivers to his left, two to his right. Again, Dwinger, no safeties back, showing man coverage. Snap, quick ball thrown to Grant Heyer, and they get back to the original line of scrimmage at about the 29-yard line. That's actually Mason Oxier making the catch. But a third and... Eight coming up for the Spartans. Mason Oxier, someone that saw a lot of time in the Concordia game when Homestead started to put in some of their backups. He played phenomenal in that second half with eight receptions in just one half. Third and eight at the 30 for Homestead. Snap, short throw to Sparrow, incomplete above the head, and Homestead will be forced to punt here. Big stop for Bishop Dwinger. And that was... A risky throw thrown into triple coverage to Gage Sparrow. This Dwanger defense, they're starting to understand Homestead really well in a way that no team has been able to this season. Carter Dixon back there punting versus Lures. He got 57.9 yards per kickoff with five touchbacks. He also had a punt for 54 yards. Snap good, and this is a knuckleball. That's going to take a bounce straight into the air at about the 35. Takes a nice roll to the 27-yard line. Solid punt with the bounce for Carter Dixon as Dwanger will take over in their own territory at about the 28. And this game starting to slow down a little bit more. It's becoming a lot more about defense than it looked like it was going to be in the first couple drives. 9-12 left in the second. Homestead still leaves 14-7, but Dwinger getting the ball back with the opportunity to tie the game at 14 apiece. First and 10 at the 28 for the Saints. Tight package for Dwinger with two fullbacks and one running back. Dickerson under center. Snap, hands off to number 27, Aziz Dixon, and he is knocked down at about the 30-yard line. Not much gain there, about three yards. Second and seven at the 31, coming right up for Dwinger. The Saints have been getting really crafty over the last couple of drives with their offense. 
lined up with three running backs on that play. Looks like they might even do it again as they're setting up for a second down. Packed backfield for Dwinger, second and eight at the 30-yard line. Lights coming on at Shields Field as it's getting darker earlier in Fort Wayne. Hands off to Aziz Dixon. Cuts up field and knocked down at about the 34-yard line. Number 11, Evan Pearson making the tackle. And a third and three coming up. Both teams playing a lot more conservative football right now, not wanting this game to be a shootout, making it more about running down the opposing team's defense. Third and three at the 35. Dwinger so far on third downs. 0 of 2. Not a, they have not seen much success with their backs against the wall. Bodie Dickerson back there, quarterback snap, handoff, flag thrown. Got a field, a solid game by Aziz Dixon to the far side and knocked down at the 43-yard line. But flag thrown at the line of scrimmage. This one coming back, it'll be holding. And that's not what you want to see at four. Coach Jason Garrett could have been a first down, first three-point conversion. But now you're going to be forced to take a third in pretty long. They're moving that line of scrimmage way back after the holding penalty. Past the original line of scrimmage. Third and long coming up for Bishop Dwinger at about the 21-yard line. Third and 18. Bodie Dickerson, the QB, KJ Tipman back out there running back. Two wide receivers to the right, one to the left. Two safeties deep. Snap. Dickerson rolls right, scrambles on third and long. And he is knocked down at the 30 by Carter Koob. Wouldn't call that the right decision there to cut up field and scramble on third and long as fourth down coming up again for the Saints. And great playing by both Isaac Barkas and Austin Keyser, the safeties recognizing the long passing routes and covering them up forcing them into double coverage forcing Dickerson to run the ball. Seven minutes left in the fourth in the second quarter, fourth and five punts here by Joseph Moran into the wind and caught at about the 42-yard line. That was a risky catch by Isaac Barkas as he had to dive down to make that one, but catches it safely. Fair catch is a fair catch, and here comes the Spartan O. Spartan offense have looked a little bit tired, almost to say, on their last couple of drives, just playing really conservative football, not going for the big plays besides on the last interception, just running the ball short routes, passing the ball on short routes. 6.51 left in the first. First and 10, or left in the second, I should say. First and 10 at the 42-yard line. Slavin in the gun, two wide receivers to the left. Both teams really looking kind of sluggish to start this game. Two safeties, about 10 yards back. Snap, handoff, or short throw to Sparrow, complete at about the 40, and he is wrapped up by Adam Lee, who has been all over the place. He had an interception earlier, and he makes the tackle for a loss there. Second and 14 coming up for Homestead. Sparrow with nowhere to go. 
the Saints defense is something that the Spartan offense has not seen before. They are reading these plays. They're not letting Homestead get anywhere. Second and 14 at the 38, the Homestead 38. Slavin in the gun. Two wide receivers to the right. Man coverage for Dwanger. Five defensive linemen. Pressure coming after the snap. Short throw complete to Anderson. Solid curl route to about the 45-yard line. He's knocked down right where he caught it by Gavin Groves. And third and seven at the 45 for Homestead. If you're Coach Zolman and offensive coordinator Bill Skelton, do you let Slavin unleash here on a third and seven, or do you just go and try, give it to Brett Fox, let him try to run it all the way to the first down? Spartans lead by seven. Good opportunity to make this two touchdown game. So might as well go for the pass here. Third and seven at the 45. Play action. They will pass throw complete to Sparrow. Past the line of past the first down marker at about the 44-yard line. Homestead not only getting the first down, but breaking into Dwinger territory. And Adam Lee ripped the ball out of Sparrow's hands, but they're going to call Sparrow down before the play was over. This Dwanger secondary has done a pretty good job. Just Gage Sparrow on the small slant route was able to get open. First and 10 at the Dwinger, 44 for Homestead. Five minutes left in the first. Slaving in the gun. Snap, handoff to Fox, and he goes nowhere. Stuffed at the line of scrimmage. Second and ten after another stop at the line by this winger running defense. And this is where Homestead's offense is missing Desmond Smith Jr., the typical starting running back who is a lot bigger and is a lot more powerful, taking hits who could have maybe extended that play a couple more yards if you were in the game. Second and ten at the 44. 4.30 left in the first quarter. Homestead up 14-7. Slaving in the gun. Brett Fox, the running back behind him. Tight end. Max Schultz also in the backfield. Snap, quick throw to Sparrow, complete at the right hash and knocked down at the first down marker at about the 35-yard line. Homestead moving the chains again. They are on a drive right now. Another quick throw to Sparrow. If you're Bishop Dwanger, you've got to get your spy glasses on Gage Sparrow because that's the third time already this drive that there's just been a quick, easy throw to Sparrow. We thought the student sections would be quite loud tonight. It's actually pretty quiet, if you ask me. Four minutes left in the first quarter. First and ten at the 32, or in the second quarter, I should say. Slavin in the gun, two wide receivers to the left. Max Schultz, the tight end in the backfield with Brett Fox behind Slavin. Snap, handoff to Fox up the gut, and he is stuffed again at the line of scrimmage. That's Joel Arntz making the tackle. This has been a feisty defensive line so far that the Saints are displaying. And it has been going down in the gutters, in the trenches, on the offensive line between Homestead's offensive line and Dwanger's defensive line. No running backs are getting anywhere for Homestead. Second and 10 at the 32 after the no gain by Brett Fox. Slaving in the gun, Fox aside him. Two wide receivers to each side. Dwinger showing man coverage with no safeties deep and a timeout called. Homestead will take the first timeout. 3.07 left in the second quarter. 
Homestead leads 14-7, looking to drive down the field, take a two-touchdown lead. Moe's Southwest Grill, located at 6739 West Jefferson Boulevard, next to Dunkin' Donuts, Baskin-Robbins. Specializing in Southwestern foods like burritos, tacos, and nachos. For full menus and to order online, go to moes.com. Moe's Southwest Grill, a proud sponsor of Homestead Media. And now, let's head back out to the stadium for more Homestead Spartan football, right here on the Point 91 FM. Welcome back to Shields Field. Homestead up 14-7 with 3.07 left in the second quarter. Second 10 at the 32 coming up for Homestead. They are currently on quite the drive. They have gone from deep in their own territory all the way to inching closer and closer to a possible touchdown here. And really, this game has been back and forth. No one's really taken a demanding spot in this game. Really, anybody's ball game. Second and ten for Homestead, Slavin in the gun. Two wide receivers to each side. Snap, drops back, QB draw. Cuts the left hash at the 30 to the 25, and he is out, out of bounds on the near sideline. They'll mark him down at the 25, just short of the first down marker. Solid keeper by Peyton Slavin. Third and two with about three minutes left at the 25, coming up for Homestead. And it was Jaden Abuhaka again with the clutch block giving Slavin that nice hole to run through, getting eight yards and rushing out of bounds. Orlando Sheets coming in at tight end. For Homestead, third and two at the 25. Homestead looking to keep this drive going, possibly go into the red zone. Slavin in the gun. Dwinger student section getting rallied up here. Wide receiver to each side, snap, handoff to Fox, and once again, the Dwinger defense shutting down the running lanes for Brett Fox. That's Ben Simcox, the linebacker, getting in there, and a fourth and two coming up for Homestead. Big stop. Brett Fox with nowhere to go setting up this fourth down, and Coach Zolman does not like to kick the ball often. as It looks like he's electing to go for it on fourth and three. Feels like the odds are in his favor. 2.30 left in the second quarter. Fourth and three at the 26. Homestead up 14-7, looking to take a two-touchdown lead. Is Zolman not going to settle for a field goal here? But first, another Spartan timeout as Coach Chad Zolman wants to talk things out. And so far, it's really been, at first we thought it was going to be an offensive showdown, but now it's turned into really this defensive slugfest where both teams have been exchanging punts, and now we're really seeing the first methodical offensive drive that's really gotten you going and say, okay, this offense has, they have what it takes to go down there and score a touchdown. We haven't really seen many much of that since the first quarter. Now Homestead showing some signs of life. And this is pretty typical for Homestead and Dwanger when they play. It being slow games two years ago, 17 to 15, and then going in at the end of regulation, only 21 to 21 last year. Here comes the big fourth and three from the 26. And they're not going to go for it as Carter Dixon lining up to for the field goal. This is usually a situation where you expect Coach Zolman to go for it, but after the timeout, he decides to take the field goal. Whistle blown before. And another timeout taken 
by Homestead again. Maybe they want to reconsider the reconsideration. And those, both those timeouts actually taken by Bishop Dwanger. At first, they were kind. They weren't expecting Homestead to go for it on fourth and fourth and three. So they put out their safeties, put out their corners, expecting them to line up the same formation. Then they saw them in the kicking formation. Got to call another timeout and get those subs back in. Yeah, usually you see Coach Zolman going for it when Homestead is in when Homestead's in their opponent's territory, especially when it's a fourth and short. Might as well go for it and keep the drive alive, looking towards a touchdown. But here. Carr Dixon going to stay on the field after the timeout. And he will get his first attempt at a field goal. And Homestead's first attempt at a field goal overall this season. Or their second field goal attempt. They had one against Northrop, but it's their first one in a while. Carter Dixon lining up for the 42-yard field goal. Low, but it is no good. Carter Dixon can't get it inside the uprights, and Bishop Dwanger gets the ball back. And that's not what you want to see for Coach Zolman. He's probably thinking, I should have stuck with the plan, should have gone for it. Put a lot of trust in his senior kicker, Carter Dixon. That one just sailing just left of the upright. And last year, it was very reliable when it came to field goals there. Just couldn't get it down the middle. So now Bishop Dwinger, first and 10 at their own 26. Have about 218 to work with in this first half. They'll actually bring the ball back to the 20 yard line. 2 wide receivers to each side. Bodie Dickerson still the quarterback. Snap QB draw and he trips up a Daniel Jones at the line of scrimmage. And it looked like it was almost a fear trip up half intended is Edmund Person, the murderer on the Homestead defense after that hit last week was coming after him. The turf monster got Dickerson, but he still gains two yards, second and eight at the 22. Under two minutes left, whistles blown and some laundry on the field. That was going to be a false start on Dwinger. And Evan Person getting in, getting excited with Max Shilton, Carter Koob. They know that they've pushed that false start, pushes Dwanger back even closer. And this is where you see these linebackers bring the blitz. And they're going to call that on Bishop Dwanger for a minute. You thought it was actually going to be on Homestead. But second and 13 at the 17-yard line, minute 46 left in the half. Dwinger down, 14-7, snap, short throw, complete on the near side. And it actually goes out of his hands. You don't often see a drop by the D1 player. He has an offer to Dayton, drop that one on the near side. Usually he is automatic on those short passes, but third and 13 coming up for Bishop Dwinger at the 17-yard line. Aaron Wagner brought the pressure on Sioka, not not letting him hold on to the ball for very long. Minute 42 left in the half. Quick snap, Dickerson, short throw, complete to K.J. Tidman at the 20, heads to the near side, and he is stuffed. Could not go anywhere there. There was no room to cut up field. Zach Zolman making the tackle. 
And a timeout called. Second quarter, minute 30 left. Fourth and nine going to be coming up for Bishop Dwinger. Just nothing going on that opportunity. And nothing's really going well for either offense right now. Homestead calling the timeout, probably trying to figure out what they're going to do on offense. Do they take a couple shots? Do they move the ball down a little bit and get a field goal before halftime? What do you do if you're Coach Solman? Here I think you have to go ahead and take the risk as last time going for the field goal just didn't work out. And Coach Zolman, you usually see him take the risk. We saw him do that at plenty against Bishop Lures. And an injury update. Jacob Scava, who's expected to get limited playing time today for Homestead, one of their four elite linebackers is coming into the game for the play. He's suffered some injuries with both of his shoulders, but coming into the game right now. Coming in on this punch, fourth and nine at the 21-yard line. Once again, Joseph Moran, who's been very active back there at punter, getting some time. Go ahead, kick this one into the sky. Pressure coming. Little knuckle ball to midfield, caught safely by Isaac Barkas. Doesn't signal fair catch as the Saints converge on him. Surprised to not see a fair catch brought down by Ben Simcox, but... Caught it safely. He's a little rattled as he makes that catch. Homestead will get the ball at pretty much the 49-yard line in Dwinger territory with a minute 23 left. Solid field position to start this drive off for Homestead. Plenty of time for Homestead to play careful football. They don't have to throw it deep right away, but it looks like Dwinger's going into man coverage. Two wide receivers to the right, one to the left. Snap, Slavin rolls right, makes the throw and completion on the far side. Caught by Mason Oxier, just short of the first down marker. Now they're going to go ahead and move the chains. First and 10 for Homestead at the 38-yard line. Beautiful rolling out play on the out route to Mason Oxier. Peyton Slavin just rolled out to his right. Quick, easy throw, and Oxier got out of bounds, stopping the clock. First and 10 at the Dwinger, 38 for Homestead. Two wide receivers to the left, two to the right. Snap, Slavin drops back, throw to Sparrow, complete. Just inside the right hash at about the 20-yard line. Another connection between Slavin and Sparrow, moving the chains again with a minute 12 left in this first half. They are driving down the field looking to make this a two-touchdown game. And a gorgeous in-route by Gage Sparrow. He's so good at those in-routes going over the middle of the field. Slavin always knows he has somebody reliable on the inside with Gage Sparrow. Under a minute left in the second quarter. Slavin snap, QB draw, sheds a tackle to the 15, and he is knocked down inside the 15-yard line. Another QB draw and timeout taken by Coach Zolman. 47 seconds left in the second quarter, and Homestead driving down the field looking to take advantage of making the stop on Dwinger's last possession and take a 14-point lead. And a 14-point lead going into halftime could mean a lot, but not a ton. You saw last week Homestead went down, went into halftime down 14 made that comeback slowly throughout the second half before inevitably giving it up. Homestead, they've got to score here, get some points on the board, make it a two-possession game before going into half. 
And right now, facing a second and four, they really have plenty of time at the 15-yard line to drive down the field and score. Not really even drive down the field, just make it 15 yards as they're already in the red zone. Like you said, a touchdown here would really sway the momentum into Homestead's favor. As they would also get the ball back to start off the second half. And it'll be important to see how Dwanger comes out in defense here. Are they going to go in man like they've been playing most of this game? Or are they going to drop into a zone defense? So it looks like they're staying in their man defense. Second and four at the 15, 40 seconds, 47 seconds left. Snap throw to Anderson. Touchdown in the corner of the end zone. Nate Anderson making the completion. And Homestead takes the two-touchdown lead if they can get this point after. And no hesitation by Slavin. He knew where he was going right onto the corner of the end zone. Nate Anderson with his blitzing speed, knowing that they're in man coverage and no corner can guard Nate Anderson when he's sprinting. Nate Anderson just so deadly at the at the wide receiver position as that is his fourth receiving touchdown of the year. The Western Michigan commit last year, all SAC. He's the leading receiver on this team. Gets the touchdown and the point after good for Cameron Jarrett. 44 7 44 seconds left in the second quarter. Homestead takes the 14-point lead, 21-7 over Dwanger. Casa Italian Restaurants, with four Fort Wayne locations, West Jefferson Boulevard, DuPont Road, Parnell Avenue, and Stellhorn Road. Featuring their Casa Borough salad, brick oven pizzas, and over 30 pasta selections. Dine-in or carry-out available, or let Casa cater your next special occasion. Menus and information at casarestaurants.com. Casa Italian Restaurant, a proud sponsor of Homestead Media. And now, let's head back out to the stadium for more Homestead Spartan football, right here on the Point 91 FM. Welcome back to Shields Field as Homestead takes the 14-point lead after the Slave and Anderson connection in the red zone. 21-7 over Dwanger with 44 seconds left in the second quarter, and that is a huge touchdown to give Homestead a huge momentum swing. And that momentum swing, you can tell the life sucked out of the home side of Bishop Dwanger High School. They need to get something, even if it's just three points in these last 44 seconds. Carter Dixon lining up to kick it off. So far, nothing but touchbacks for the senior kicker. And this one sailing deep into the end zone, making another touchback, and that's out of the back of the end zone. What a kick by Carter Dixon. And he had the wind with him this time. That kick so far, it almost went through the uprights. And a penalty on the field as the refs talking out a little bit. Didn't exactly see what that one could have been on, but I did see Evan Person with his hands up as if something was called against him. Speaking of Evan Person, he's had his fair share of flags this season. He is a passionate football player, really gets into the other team's head, has gone flagged multiple times this year for it. Ref still talking it out. Don't exactly know what the penalty was on. It's going to be on Bishop Dwinger. So, 
As they move this ball way back to the 10 yard line, I believe they're gonna call that a personal foul. Something happened after the whistles were blown. So deep in their own territory is where Bodie Dickerson and this Dwinger offense starts off. And he just goes to a knee. Bishop Dwinger not going to take the risk of a possible safety or turnover when you're this deep in your own territory. And the clock is going to go ahead and it might run out actually. I've never seen a play clock and a game clock so in sync. I think they're going to have to do one more knee here. And it looks like the play clock is 0.1 seconds ahead of the game clock, so they will have to take one more knee. Might as well, for good measure, it'll lower the rushing stats for Bodie Dickerson, but only by about a yard, so no problem here. And they're just going to go ahead and let the clock wind down regardless. Might as well. No real big issue in .1 seconds. And both teams head into the locker room after a defensive slugfest, but it's Homestead who leads 21-7 over the Bishop Dwinger Saints. We'll be right back for the Spartan Halftime Show. Italian restaurants with four Fort Wayne locations, West Jefferson Boulevard, DuPont Road, Parnell Avenue, and Stellhorn Road. Featuring their Casa Borough salad, brick oven pizzas, and over 30 pasta selections. Dine-in or carry-out available, or let Casa cater your next special occasion. Menus and information at casarestaurants.com. Casa Italian Restaurant, a proud sponsor of Homestead Media. Marco's Pizza. Located at 10345 Illinois Road, inside the shops of Scott Road. Marco specializes in pizza, subs, and more. Order online at marcos.com or by phone at 625-6800. Thank you, Marcos, for supporting the Point 91 FM and being a proud sponsor of Homestead Media's athletics coverage. Manchester University, committed to making college affordable with the Indiana Tuition Bridge Program. For students who live in Indiana and meet eligibility requirements, the Tuition Bridge Program may eliminate out-of-pocket tuition expenses altogether. Details about the Indiana Tuition Bridge Program and other scholarships are available at manchester.edu. Homestead Athletics coverage is presented by WCYT Lafayette Township, Fort Wayne. Watch all live home broadcasts on YouTube. Just search Homestead Media. Home and away games are broadcast on WCYT.org and 91.1 FM. Homestead Media would like to thank all of our current sponsors for their support of our educational broadcasts. You and your businesses can sponsor individual games or even a full session of video and radio broadcasts. Email our marketing manager, Andy Dunn, at adunn at sax.k12.in.us. And now, let's head back out to the stadium for more Homestead Spartan football, right here on the Point 91 FM. Welcome to the WCYT, almost said OPS, might as well say OPS halftime show. Homestead leads 21-7 over Bishop Dwinger at the half. We got 20 minutes of talking to do, Anthony, and it was quite the eventful first half. Slaving through an interception, it was really a 
defensive slugfest, but in the end, it's Homestead who has the two-touchdown lead after gaining the late touchdown, Slavin connecting with Nate Anderson. So far, been a slow game. Both defenses, both teams overall, really taking their time to ease into this one, but it's Homestead who's eased the most into it. And that's for sure. It's been a slow, very slow ball game. Both teams just r running the ball a couple yards, passing the ball a couple yards. There's only been a couple big plays this game. But so far, Homestead's taking care of business on defense, not allowing hardly any first downs so far this game. And you have to credit the Dwinger running defense. As Homestead, they've been trying to work the running game all day long, but nothing going. Just a stout defensive line with Jack Tittman, Joel Arns, and Ethan Fluger helping it helping the Dwinger cause out, but still have allowed twenty-one points in this first half, the most points they've allowed all year long through one half of play. And that's saying something about how about the teams that Bishop Dwinger's played. They really haven't had many hard opponents. Homestead's really their first opponent and so far, they're not doing the job they need to do. They're not handling Homestead very well. But if you're on Homestead, if you're a Homestead fan, you have to be impressed with the way that the Spartans are playing. I certainly am not very impressed with the way both teams are playing, but Homestead has the lead, certainly can be happy about that, just expecting both teams to come out of the locker room with a little more pizzazz, a little more power. Because in that first half, the game was really moving quite slow. Both teams just... It was almost like the first rounds of a boxing match. You're just feeling each other out, just walking around the ring. Really, they were just running around the field. Both teams didn't get much done. It was all about the big plays in those first two drives. And really, if you take those first two drives out of it, which is pretty much like six plays, not much has happened in this game so far. And it's just been, Hope says, just slowly marching down the field to get their other two touchdowns. And Dwanger's not getting anywhere. They've only gotten past their 50-yard line once when get, they got their touchdown. They're not playing phenomenal offensive ball at the moment. And we're going to take a quick break and send things to Noah Lance and Ryan Locke for this week's episode of Around the SAC. We'll be right back with more of the Halftime Show. Marco's Pizza. Located at 10345 Illinois Road, inside the shops of Scott Road. Marco specializes in pizza, subs, and more. Order online at marcos.com or by phone at 625-6800. Thank you, Marcos, for supporting the Point 91 FM and being a proud sponsor of Homestead Media's athletics coverage. And now, let's head back out to the stadium for more Homestead Spartan football, right here on the Point 91 FM. Good evening and welcome to another edition of Inside Homestead Athletics right here on the Point 91 FM. I'm your host, Noah Lance. Ryan Locke will join us later with an interview with junior soccer player Blake Anspaugh. In this episode, we will recap sports scores and records for all Homestead sports teams this week, starting with events from the past week. First up, boys tennis. The boys tennis team competed twice over the past week. Last Saturday, the team placed third out of 18th at the Carroll Invite. The boys took care of both Cathedral and Mississauga 3-2, but lost 5-0 to number 2 ranked Hamilton Southeastern. On Wednesday, the boys defeated Warsaw 4-1. to 
The boys compete in the Homestead Invite tomorrow. Now on to cross country. On the boys' side, Ethan Bates finished 4th and Chase Mulden finished 17th. The boys' team finished 5th out of 15 teams. And the girls' cross country team, led by sophomore Addison Canablo, finished 6th. Addison finished in a time of 18 minutes and 7 seconds, just 11 seconds off of her previous school record. Lawrence Saddington also finished in 23rd. Next up, the volleyball team. The volleyball team lost three sets to one on Tuesday against Belmont. Ellie Spang had four aces. Haley Bienenbach had 26 assists. Hannah Brown had four blocks. Olivia Cron had 12 digs. And Kendall Frey had 10 kills. Last night, they won three sets to zero against Columbia City. The girls compete next Tuesday at Huntington North. The boys' soccer team lost both games at the Carroll Classic Tournament last Saturday. They lost 3-1 to Warsaw and 4-1 to Carroll, but last night they beat Bishop Dwanger 4-2. The boys are back in action this Saturday at Cathedral High School. Finally, the girls' golf team defeated a cow this week, and Simone Sank hit her first hole-in-one. Now it is time for an interview where Ryan Law caught up with Blake Anspach. Thanks, Noah. For this week's interview, I am joined here with junior soccer player Blake Anspach. How did you get into the game of soccer? I started playing soccer at a very young age, like 2 or 3 and like a rec team, and I always had love for the game, so I always kept on playing. Does having a brother who also plays soccer help you better than your game? Having a brother definitely helps me better my game because we can push each push each other on and off the field. You guys just won senior night 4-2. What do you think you guys can do better as a team? I think we can definitely better our play by having more possession and definitely finishing our changes up top to put games away. You are currently leading the team in goal scored. What are your goals for the rest of the season? Uh, my goals for the rest of the season are probably just scoring more goals and getting my teammates involved in the play by getting them goals also. You guys currently set at 4-4-1. Four, four what are your team goals for the rest of the season? Our team goals for the rest of the season are probably to make it out as sectionals and try our best in regionals and to win the rest of our games. What is your favorite part about the season so far? The favorite part about the season has to be... Um, spending time with the seniors because I love all my seniors and it's just always fun being around them. Do you plan on continuing soccer after high school? I do plan on continuing soccer because I love soccer so much and playing soccer in college would definitely be a charm. What has the game of soccer provided you? The game of soccer has provided me with like many skills. So it's like leadership because I can lead my teammates or like passion because I always want to try my best in soccer. Thank you, Blake. And now we'll send it back to you, Noah. Thanks, Ryan. This has been another episode of Inside Homestead Athletics. On behalf of Ryan Locke and myself, thank you for listening. Be sure to join us again next week at halftime of next Friday's football game against Snyder for another episode of Inside Homestead Athletics. Casa Italian Restaurants, with four Fort Wayne locations, West Jefferson Boulevard, DuPont Road, Parnell Avenue, and Stellhorn Road. Featuring their Casa Borough salad, brick oven pizzas, and over 30 pasta selections. Dine-in or carry-out available, or let Casa cater your next special occasion. Menus and information at casarestaurants.com. Casa Italian Restaurant, a proud sponsor of Homestead Media. And now, let's head back out to the stadium for more Homestead Spartan football, right here on the Point 91 FM. Welcome live to Shields Field, as we're about 10 minutes away from the start of the second half. Homestead leads 21-7 here at Shields Field. Bishop Dwinger just doing the homecoming courts, I believe. They haven't announced it quite yet. I don't know when Homestead's going to do it. Maybe the next home game. I've heard a... 
a lot of people making their campaigns for being the homecoming king and queen. In fact, it'll be next week's game against Snyder during the halftime. We'll our crown our homecoming king and queen over at Homestead High School. Last year, Donnie Harmon, cross singer, cross country runner, was the king, homecoming king. And it was a big win for him. Of course, big deal. A lot of football players for Homestead are on the court this year, including some big names like Jay Nabahaka, Jacob Scavo, and Nate Anderson, all on the homecoming court this year. Yeah, you look at the Homestead football team, well-respected members of the high school, and they're well-represented in the homecoming court. That is for sure, as well as captain, head captain of the football team, Max Schultz, as well on there, known around Homestead to be this energetic guy that gets everybody on going. And it shows last week at halftime of the Bishop Lures Homestead game, he gave a huge speech, kicked the coaches out of the shed where they huddle for halftime, gave a huge speech to the players, and that clearly got them run, got them running, got them wild up. The defense only gave up three points while the offense got 21 up until that final drive by Bishop Lures. And there's one guy with a crown already. I don't, did he already win it? Have they already decided it? I think they have because the tiara's out, the crown is out, or is he or is he the defending champion? I don't quite know how this works. I believe at Bishop Dwanger, they're all about history. I believe he was defending champion. No, it turns out he was already crowned the leader in his suit and tie. He might be a two-timer. Two times in a row, like Homestead with the SAC championship. That's really incredible. Good for him tonight as everybody, all the nominees. It looks like three football players out there and two other guys in suits and ties. And one cheerleader, two cheerleaders actually for Bishop Dwinger and three other girls. And now we're going to have to get back to football, Anthony. That was a fun commentary on homecoming courts. But now we're going to have to get back to football. So let's talk about that first half that we saw. Homestead and Dwinger. Really all about defense. Both teams, what are you expecting out of the gates in this second half from Bishop Dwanger and from Homestead? Bishop Dwanger, they are going to run the ball like a truck. K.J. Tittman did really well in his first two possessions. They're going to use him as much as they can. Hopefully he doesn't get tired out. But if they, they got to use him as much and use their seven-person offensive line to their advantage. And if that doesn't work, they need to have a change of pace. They need to take a couple offensive linemen out and put in some wide receivers and start throwing the ball deep against this Homestead secondary. And we saw K.J. Tipman on that first drive for Bishop Dwanger got himself a big touchdown, about 60 yards, in fact. But ever since that, we haven't really seen much from him and this Bishop Dwanger rushing offense. So K.J. Tipman, I'm also expecting a big second half from number 23. And these fans are getting excited. The cheerleaders are performing at halftime like the Homestead Spartan Alliance band, band does over at Homestead High School. One of the best bands in the state they have over there. And a little bit different pr halftime presentation Bishop Dwanger does. It's all part of the history over here at Bishop Dwanger, one of the state-renowned best football programs ever in state history. And we're going to take a quick break, but stay tuned as we get closer to the second half of football. 
Casa Italian Restaurants with four Fort Wayne locations, West Jefferson Boulevard, DuPont Road, Parnell Avenue, and Stellhorn Road. Featuring their Casa Borough salad, brick oven pizzas, and over 30 pasta selections. Dine-in or carry-out available, or let Casa cater your next special occasion. Menus and information at casarestaurants.com. Casa Italian Restaurant, a proud sponsor of Homestead Media. Marco's Pizza, located at 10345 Illinois Road, inside the shops of Scott Road. Marco specializes in pizza, subs, and more. Order online at marcos.com or by phone at 625-6800. Thank you, Marcos, for supporting the Point 91 FM and being a proud sponsor of Homestead Media's athletics coverage. Manchester University. Offering more than 70 areas of study, including the health sciences, accounting, business, teacher education, and the arts. Student-athletes compete in 20 NCAA sports for men and women, and co-curricular activities include eSports, marching band, and other musical ensembles. Learn more at manchester.edu. Homestead Athletics coverage is presented by WCYT Lafayette Township, Fort Wayne. Watch all live home broadcasts on YouTube. Just search Homestead Media. Home and away games are broadcast on WCYT.org and 91.1 FM. Homestead Media would like to thank all of our current sponsors for their support of our educational broadcasts. You and your businesses can sponsor individual games or even a full session of video and radio broadcasts. Email our marketing manager, Andy Dunn, at adunn at sax.k12.in.us. Moe's Southwest Grill, located at 6739 West Jefferson Boulevard, next to Dunkin' Donuts, Baskin-Robbins. Specializing in Southwestern foods like burritos, tacos, and nachos. For full menus and to order online, go to moes.com. Moe's Southwest Grill, a proud sponsor of Homestead Media. Support for Homestead High School Athletics comes from Jason Corner, CFP, your Edward Jones Financial Advisor at 7329 West Jefferson Boulevard. For more information, visit edwardjones.com. Edward Jones, member SIPC. The point is WCYT 91.1 Lafayette Township, Fort Wayne, a broadcast service of Homestead High School, presented by Homestead Media online at wcyt.org. The Point 91 FM, where music is the point. And now, let's head back out to the stadium for more Homestead Spartan football, right here on the Point 91 FM. Welcome back to Shields Field. Wrapping up the halftime show is Homestead leads 21-7 over Bishop Dwinger. Hoping to see a big second half here from both squads, especially Bishop Dwinger, the leading Scoring team in the SAC, only seven points right now through one half of play. And Bishop Dwanger, they've got to get something going on offense. There's, you just Like you just said, they're supposed to be the leading team on offense, but they only have seven points going into halftime. And I think a big importance for Bishop Dwanger is going to be in the special teams. If they're going to keep punting the ball, they've got to get some better punts, got to get some farther punts, as you see. As you see, Joseph Morin working out over halftime out there on the field, trying to work on his punts. And on the flip side, Carter Dixon and Cameron Jarrett working on their kicks for Homestead. 
It's a beautiful day, beautiful night as well in Fort Wayne. 72 degrees, clear skies, and a great weather situation for 24 minutes of football. And it's so exciting being at this game tonight. Just And as you, Sweet Caroline's coming on, the fans get up. Everyone's excited. This second half of play is going to mean a lot in the long run for the SAC. Usually hear Sweet Carolina at Red Sox games or Penn State, Pittsburgh. Don't often hear it in Fort Wayne, Indiana, but it's getting the crowd going, and we really need these student sections to get going as the lights come on, the sun comes down, and we're ready for some football. And it's, it's really a great game so far defensively for both teams. They've done their job. They've done what they needed to do. The flashlights are coming on and everything. People are getting in the mood. Sweet Caroline, let's go. Let's play some second half of football. You're hoping for a big performance from both teams. I know I am because I want to see a competitive battle. I want to see Dwinger come back and make this a shootout. And I mean, if, if we've learned anything from these last few matchups, you know Dwinger's going to come back. They're going to make this game interesting. The Titmans, they always find their way to make this game interesting. Last year, with the three Titmans on the O-line, pushing pass, allowing for th three rushing touchdowns, bringing it to triple overtime. We might not see something that exciting this year, but it's definitely going to get interesting in the second half. Really, we're expecting something interesting because the last two years has been nothing but exciting finishes between these two teams. Hoping not to see what we saw in the first three years of this rivalry. It's starting to sort of turn into that, you could argue, with Homestead up 21-7 and getting the ball back to start off this second half. Not only is Dwinger's offense going to have to step up, but Dwinger's defense is going to have to keep the pace that they had before that last drive that Homestead had. And... It's looking almost like a repeat where Homestead was down two possessions going into the game as the helicopters coming back, making leaves fly around. And that's got the crowd even more on their feet. The helicopter drive by at the end of halftime. We talked about it earlier. Bishop Dwinger wearing their Army Air National Guard black and gold uniforms. Homestead has their own camouflage uniforms they pull out on occasion. Haven't seen that in three years. Certainly a big night here at Bishop Dwinger commemorating what happened 20 years ago in 9-11. It's a big game. Dwinger is looking for a win tonight to honor the soldiers and get themselves a huge win. And it would be an incredible honor if they were to come back and pull this win off. The players jumping up and down, raising their hands. They want the crowd even more into it. I don't know if that's possible with how it's going right now. Everybody's on their feet. Even the parents that sit down in the back row are on their feet. Helicopter flies away above our heads right now into the dark September sky. Zeros on the clock. Halftime's over, and we are getting ready for the second half of play and after tonight if this game is if this ends up being a great game like I hope for it to be some will say some will ask do you remember that night in September I think some people already asked that with the hit song Anthony 
that song definitely uh, played before the game and is definitely going to play again, expecting to hear it. That's another song that gets people singing, gets people in the mood for some high school football. Certainly a big game tonight, SAC Game of the Week. And heading into it, Homestead getting the ball back, heading into this second half, up 14 over the hosting undefeated Bishop Dwinger. Saints heading into it, Dwinger, one of two undefeated teams remaining in the SAC. And being undefeated is so big in this conference because if you can stay with a zero in that loss column, you're, either, you're pretty much guaranteed. You actually are guaranteed an SAC title. And undefeated, that's how Homestead won it two years ago in arguably their best football season since they got state runner-up in 1998. They're looking like a similar team with that loss. despite that loss to Bishop Lures. They're looking like a solid team. Bishop Dwanger's going to need to step up in the second half if they want to compete with the Spartans. Crowd's getting going. Love to hear it as the lights come on. It's getting dark here at Shields Field at Bishop Dwanger. Joe Belanda kicking off to the Homestead Spartans. Here we go, ladies and gentlemen. 24 minutes of play remaining. Will Dwanger remain undefeated, or will Homestead keep their SAC title hopes alive? Joe Belanda kicking off against the wind. And it is at about the two-yard line. Chance to return here up to the 25 to the 30 and knocked down at about the 35-yard line on the far side. That's a strong return by Gage Sparrow. Gage Sparrow with that speed and agility. Him and Nate Anderson both to the main wide receivers. They have speed and agility always in the backfield ready to return these kicks. That's something Homestead is sneakily good at on special teams. They're so good at returning kicks. We saw Anderson return one all the way almost for a touchdown on the first kickoff against Northrop of the season. Now a first and 10 at the 35-yard line for Homestead. Slaven in the gun. One wide receiver to his left and three to his right. Brett Fox, the running back, joining him in the backfield. Dwinger running that old no-safeties defense. Man coverage showing for defensive lineman. Snap, Slavin rolls out, scrambles to about the 40 and knocked out of bounds the far side. About the 41-yard line, solid scramble by Peyton Slavin. Second and medium coming up for Homestead. We've seen that a lot tonight. Peyton Slavin, that is his fourth QB sneak tonight, designed run for Slavin on the play. Gage Sparrow picked up a block he nor, as he normally doesn't, but he was able to right there. It Slavin has done really well tonight, almost better than Fox, I'd say, at running the football. Second and four at the 41. Two wide receivers to the left, one to the right. Slavin in the gun. Snap, whistles blown, flag thrown. Actually hit a lineman, so maybe a flag on the referee. False start on Homestead as that's going to move the ball back pretty much to the original line of scrimmage. Second and nine at the 36 for Homestead. And that likely calls for a change of plays, maybe a passing plays. Isaac Barkas comes into the game, the 6-3 slot wide receiver. Second and nine at the 36, Slavin in the gun. One wide receiver to his right, two to his left. 
Three linebackers in the box. Ford's winger showing blitz here. Snap, fakes the handoff. Slavin drops back deep, throw to Oxier over the head of Mason Oxier. Could not get the deep ball to him. Would have been at about the 25. Flag thrown behind the line of scrimmage. So that'll be a 39 coming up, but a penalty on the field. And that's going to be on Bishop Dwinger. And it's might I believe it's going to be a roughing the passer. And that's going to set up a first down for Homestead. But that pass by Peyton Slavin to Mason Oxier was a five yards over the head of Oxier. It was the same exact play we saw Nate Anderson get a touchdown on earlier in the game. And the same exact play that Peyton Slavin threw a pick on earlier in the game. First and 10 at the Dwinger, 49 for Homestead. Minute 40, or 11-41 left in the third quarter. Snap, hands off to Fox. This time goes past the line of scrimmage to about the 46-yard line. Finally, some yards gained on the running, on the ground game for Homestead. Second and seven coming up for the Spartans. Brett Fox has not had much success tonight running the football. As Dwinger, they're able to cover and clog that inside. I'm surprised Homestead hasn't run any outside designed running plays for Brett Fox yet tonight. Second and seven at the Dwinger 46. Snap option. Slaving going to take it himself to the 45 and knock down at the 40 just outside the left hash. A solid gain again on the ground by the quarterback. He's a little shaken up after the play. Got popped and... Looks like maybe the wind knocked out of him. Either way, third and two at the 41 for Homestead. Looks like he'll stay on the field, push through it, and look for a third down conversion. Likely going to be a running play. Slavin looks like he got the wind knocked out of him. Zolman being risky with his quarterback, giving him a lot of running plays and a lot of hits. Third and two at the 41. Homestead snap, handoff to Fox, completion. A solid run by Brett Fox. Not a completion. It wasn't a pass. It was a run, in fact. Got about to the 35-yard line inside the left hash. Moved the chains. First down for the Spartans. Homestead continuing to play slow football, but getting the first down. It's worked so far to them, for them tonight, just slowly moving the football a little bit at a time, getting first downs, and they're within range now of making this a three-score game. First and 10 at the 35, 9.56 left in the third quarter. Homestead up 21-7. Slavin in the gun, snap, hands off to Fox again, up the gut and knocked down at about the 31-yard line. Second and medium coming up for Homestead. Brett Fox just pushing his way. He's got to... The offensive line has to give him a couple more holds, but the Saints defense, Saints linebackers, have been able to pick up on these runs pretty well so far. Second and seven at the 32, slaving in the gun, two wide receivers to each side, low snap, throw, incomplete to Oxier, tight defense and great coverage by Sam Campbell, forcing the incompletion, getting the deflection, and a third and seven at the 32 for Homestead. Oxier was or it looked like Sam Campbell completely
baited out Peyton Slavin, almost picked off Oxier, didn't do much to help Slavin out, just stood there waiting for the ball. Not the best play for the newly starting wide receiver. Third and seven at the 32. Homestead looking to t take a commanding lead with a touchdown or field goal on this drive. Dwinger student section getting going, looking for a stop here at the 32-yard line. Slavin in the gun. Play clock winding down. One second left. Whistle's blown. He did not get it off in time. And that is going to be a delay of game. Not what you want on third down if you're Coach Zolman. Now what you want now that sets up a third and long where Slavin now has to launch the ball most likely deep. Look for Gage Sparrow on a 10-yard play, 10 to 15-yard play, or Nate Anderson on the deep ball. Third and 12 at the Dwinger, 37 for Homestead. Slavin in the gun, one wide receiver to his left and three to his right. Brett Fox off to his left hip. Man coverage showing for Bishop Dwinger. Snap, Slavin drops back, throw to Oxier, complete, but he is down as his knee was on the ground as he made that completion at about the 27-yard line. Not enough for the first down, but looks like Coach Zolman, this is a prime opportunity for him to take the fourth down and go for it. Yeah, we saw this earlier in the game. He elected to kick. The kick was no good for Carter Dixon. Could be 24 points on the board for Homestead had he made that kick. I don't think Zolman wants to put the trust back in the senior kicker again and is going for it. 8.30 left in the third quarter. Might as well go for it up 14. Fourth and two at the 27. Dwinger student section getting going here. Two wide receivers to the left, one to the right. Man coverage for Dwinger. Snap, fakes the hands off, rolls right. He's got it. Peyton Slavin up to 20 and knocked out on the far side at about the 15-yard line. Another great one from quarterback Peyton Slavin as he gets into the red zone and moves the chains for Homestead. And that was such a smart play. Even I was faked out by that thought it was a handoff to Brett Fox and that was a little bit of a delayed run by Slavin just smart quarterback play faked the handoff to Brett Fox stood there acting like Fox had the ball and just ran away around the outside down the hashes eight minutes left in the third quarter Homestead up 21-7 after that fourth down conversion now a first and 10 fresh set of downs at the 15 yard line inching closer and closer to another touchdown Slavin in the gun, two wide receivers to the left. Snap, rolls left, throws, aiming toward Anderson. Complete at the 10 to the near side. Knocked down at about the six-yard line. And that's another connection between Slavin and Anderson in this game. As that'll be just shy of the first down. Second and one at the six coming up for Homestead. The Spartan student section wanted a face mask penalty. Anderson brought down at the five-yard line by the face mask. Nevertheless, still a first and goal. Second one at the six-yard line. Slavin in the gun. Three wide receivers to the right, one to the left. Snap. Hand off to Fox. Follows his lineman and knocked down at about... The four-yard line, that's enough for the first down. First and goal coming up at the three-yard line for Homestead. And now Homestead is just going to bash up the middle with Brett Fox. Not surprising at all as Orlando Sheets comes into the game to play tight end. I wouldn't be surprised if they throw a short, small drag route to Orlando Sheets. as just an easy 
quick three-yard pass touchdown. First and goal with seven minutes left in the third quarter, up 14. Slavin in the gun, Fox behind him, one right receiver to each side, snap, handoff to Fox, and fumble, ball on the ground, recovered by Homestead. They will actually not, they will not call that a fumble. They will say he was down before the ball came out. Either way, Homestead would have had the ball, and they maybe would have had a touchdown as Anderson picked that up, and it looked like he was going to roll out to the corner, maybe get to the pylon and score. But second and goal coming up for Homestead. And Anderson acted on that one really quick, almost running around to the outside. Could have had a, a touchdown on the pylon. Second and goal at the one-yard line for Homestead. Goal line defense for Dwanger here. Looking for a big stop. Brett Fox behind Peyton Slavin, who is under center. One wide receiver to each side just in case they pass here. Snap, quarterback sneak, and he breaks through. Touchdown, Homestead. Peyton Slavin with the rushing touchdown on the QB sneak, and the Spartans take a commanding three-score lead. And Peyton Slavin muscled it with all over the backs of right guard Jackson Bell and right tackle Nick Schweizer. Great pay, play by Slavin, was patient and just waited to the right for the right opportunity to put himself up the middle. Peyton Slavin, we've seen him run all game long, and, well, there's his rushing touchdown that he has been looking for in this game so far. PAT up and good again for Cameron Jarrett and Homestead. 28-7 over Bishop Dwinger. This one started to turn into a blowout. Manchester University. Offering more than 70 areas of study, including the health sciences, accounting, business, teacher education, and the arts. Student athletes compete in 20 NCAA sports for men and women, and co-curricular activities include esports, marching band, and other musical ensembles. Learn more at manchester.edu. And now, let's head back out to the stadium for more Homestead Spartan football, right here on the Point 91 FM. Homestead leads 28-7 with just above six minutes left in the third quarter after the long, methodical drive ends in the QB sneak touchdown by Peyton Slavin. And up three scores, 21 points. Homestead, this one's starting to be, starting to lean on the brink of a blowout. And it is Homestead's. They've looked really disciplined, really calm in this football game. And so they're looking very much like the second best team in the SAC for sure just behind Bishop Lures who beat them in a nail biter last week certainly Bishop Dwinger hanging into this number two team in class 5A and right now they are struggling especially on the offensive end against Homestead Dixon kickoff with the wind and this one goes into the end zone that will be yet another touchback for the senior kicker Winger offense coming onto the field looking to show signs of life. They have not scored since their first drive of the ball game, and they need a touchdown to get some momentum going to their side. And let's compliment the Homestead defense. Going into this game, the secondary had a lot of question marks, especially in the cornerback room with Aaron Wagner being the head corner and then the rest of Homestead's defense who struggled against Bishop Lures coming back, hoping... And the hope was that they'd play a lot better, and so far they have. 6.02 left in third quarter. Home set up 28-7. Bodie Dick, or Evan Springer, the quarterback out there. Snap, hands off to K.J. Tipman, off to the 
far side, and he's knocked out of bounds at about the 27-yard line. Solid gain for the running back. They've been using him a plenty so far. K.J. Tittman has an NAIA offer to St. Francis, leading rusher on this team. Second and four coming up for Dwanger. And finally, that was the large, the longest play Dwanger has gotten in five drives. Two wide receivers to each side. Second and six snap handoff to K.J. Tittman again, and he gets to about the 30-yard line. Will they mark him short of the first down marker? It looks like they will. A third and one coming up for Dwanger. Hurry up offense as they are already in dire situation. Nevin Springer under center with running back behind him. Just a QB sneak here to move the pile and get the first down. Whistle blown. And where the rest standing, it looks like they're going to give him the first down. And they will. Move the chains. Big third down conversion for Dwanger. That was a desperate first down that the Bishop Dwanger Saints needed. And finally, they can try to start getting the offense going. We haven't seen them pass the ball much at all this game, looking like the same way Northrop played where Homestead was able to figure them out and shut them down. They've got to start passing the ball if they want to blow the, if they want a chance to get back in this game. 4.42 left in the third quarter. Homestead up 28-7. Snap, hands off to Tittman. He has a lane to the 45 and knocked out at the 50-yard line on the far side. It was Carter Koo who finally made the tackle, but another solid gain from K.J. Tittman and moved the chains once more for the Saints. And Carter Koob making that tackle out of bounds, the last line of defense for Homestead. If Tittman got past Koob, he was gone to the end zone. Now hurry up offense for Dwanger, first and 10 at the 49-yard line. Snap, handoff to K.J. Tittman again to the far side, to the 45, and knocked down at about the 42-yard line, converged on by a group of Spartans. That was Aaron Wagner making the leading tackle. And... Dwanger, they're going to keep running. Hurry up. Obviously pressed against the clock. If they want to get back in this game, they're down three possessions. They've got to move the ball fast. Second and two at the 42-yard line. Under four minutes left in the third quarter. Two wide receivers to each side. Evan Springer. Snap. Hands off to K.J. Tittman. Breaks through the line and knocked down at about the 38-yard line. Another first down for Bishop Dwanger. They are moving down the field fast, and their offense really showing signs of life now on this drive. And this just shows if you play like you, if you really put your mind to it and just push through to get some speed, you can really start doing damage to the opposing defense. First and 10 at the 37, 330 left in the third quarter. Two wide receivers to each side. Snap, draws back, play action. Springer downfield. Intercepted. Aaron Wagner got the interception at the one-yard line. What a stop by Homestead just when you thought Dwinger's offense was getting going. Just like that, Aaron Wagner shuts him down. And the pass intended for Rocco Siaco on the streak, but... Aaron Wagner all over that ball the entire way, tracking it, had the ball in his eyesight and caught it. The bad news for Homestead, though, is he caught it at the one-yard line. So Slavin is pressed in his own end zone with not much space to work with. 99 yards to go to the opposing end zone. You can't blame Evan Springer for aiming at Rocco Sioka in single coverage. Just could not win the battle against Aaron Wagner. First and 10 at the one-yard line. Slavin way back in his own end zone. One wide receiver to each side. 
Brett Fox, the running back behind him. 3.23 left in the third. Spartans up 28-7 on this drive. If they can go all the way, it would be huge to knocking out Bishop Dwinger's hopes for keeping this close. Snap, play action, throw downfield to Anderson. Incomplete, could not get it to, actually that was Gage Sparrow, correction. Could not get it to him. And a second and ten coming up as the ball stays at the one. A risky throw by Slavin, but he needs to get the ball out the pressure was on its way. He backed up on in the last inch of his own end zone. Just had to throw the one-on-one ball over the head of Gage Sparrow. It's second down now, still on the one-yard line. Slavin in the gun. One wide receiver to each side. Anderson to his left. Sparrow to his right. Dwinger looking for something here. A safety would be huge to gain some momentum. Snap hands off up the gut to Fox. He breaks free to about the five and knocked down at the six. Spartans now a little safer, but still a third down deep in their own territory. And if you're a homestead, you need to get a first down here because if you punt the ball, the best you can do possibly is put Bishop Dwinger at the 50-yard line, and then, then they're just right back where they were with only a minute taken off the clock. But you can't underestimate Carter Dixon's boots. Last year, he had a deep punt that would be just like this one possibly went 64 yards third and five at the six 240 left and third low snap Slavin short throw complete to Anderson and he is knocked down right where he caught it great defense by Bishop Dwinger and that is no gain there Adam Lee one of the tacklers along with Luke Schuchel and a punt coming up for Homestead and Carter Dixon's going to have to show off his leg. The returner looks like it's going to be Henry O'Keefe deep way back trying to bring this one back. Good sound. Oh, he barely got that one off. Dwinger almost was able to get to it. It's going to be returned by Henry O'Keefe to the 40, to the 35. He's got space at the 30. Cuts a tackle. Hayes on the far side to the 25, to the 20. Only a few minutes to be at the 10, to 5. What a play. Touchdown, Bishop Dwinger. I don't believe it. But a flag on the field. This one might come back. Either way, you have to be impressed with how Henry O'Keefe returned that one. If this one comes back, that will be a huge disappointment. But Bishop Dwanger, they needed this energy. Henry O'Keefe, bring it, going from the right side of the field, going across the middle to the left side of the field, going and then going down the hashes all the way to the pylon. And the way that the offense is coming out on the field, it looks like this one is against Dwanger. A block in the back on the Saints, or actually a holding. Just uh, not what you want, and the crowd does not like that. But you you see holdings and blocks in the backs often on punt returns, just how the game is. And now Bishop Dwanger still has great field position. First and 10 at the 33-yard line. Evan Springer, the quarterback, snap, hands off to K.J. Tipman, Off to the left hip of his left tackle, brought down at about the 29-yard line. Johnny Waddell making the tackle. Big boy Johnny, the 380-pound nose tackle for Homestead 6'6". He's such a beast. 
right there on the defensive line, bringing him down with the, with the center in his arms, reaching around him and making the tackle on Tipman. Minute 18 left in the third. Home set of 28-7. Evan Springer snap, pressure coming, short throw, complete to K.J. Tipman. Sheds a tackle at the 30, cuts a field to the 25, and knocked down at about the 21-yard line. K.J. Tipman turned nothing into something there. Solid gain by number 23, and a first down for Bishop Dwinger. Tipman sheds so many tackles on this play as he comes to the, off to the sideline for one play. Ethan Dorsey, the last line of defense at that time, making the tackle. Minute left in the third. Dwinger still down 21, but a touchdown here would really go a long way for the Saints morale. Two wide receivers to each side. Blitz coming. Snap. Evan Springer. Pocket collapses. Almost trips. Rolls right throw. Just shy of his intended target. Aimed that ball at Carter Middick's Norfleet, but just at his feet. And now a second and 10 at the 20 for Bishop Dwinger. Eben Person brought the pressure there on Springer. Got Springer really scared. Tittman was thankfully able to pick up the block as we...